We are officially live, episode number 114, with special guest Nick McKinley. But what, by the way, aka Jack Ryan, which we'll get into if some of you guys don't know his story. The real Jack Ryan, the movie was made based on pretty much his life story. But uh, this is a special episode, guys. Hell yeah, it is. We're, we're doing the first podcast episode out of a freaking bank vault, okay? This is literally a bank vault. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? You've been talking about this, dreaming this for how long, Pat? Well, you know, the, first of all, the, the whole book, I, the, the Academy, right? The fiction book, Academy, it, the, it's based on a vault. And the painting, Dead Mentors, if you want to, David, if you can pull up that uh, ma- uh, painting that uh, I had at the office then I got at the house, just type in Dead Mentors. E- yeah, type in Dead Mentors. Oh, Tyler's doing that, not David. Okay, got it. Go to images right there. If you look at that painting, that is a vault, Okay, mm. you see the vault around it. Inside the vault is bookshelves. And Shaw, Lincoln, Kennedy, Einstein, Milton Friedman, MLK, Senna, Tupac, myself, we're having a conversation together with a lot of different things. And two books are sitting on that table. One is uh, 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 Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged. And the other one is uh, your favorite book, Communist Manifesto, that's sitting there. So. That's Gerard's favorite book, to be <laughs> that's candid. That's Gerard's favorite book. Uh, you read that about, as nighttime what's stories. What's different about me than every other socialist in America is I've actually read the Communist Ooh, Manifesto. Well so. played, sir. I, yeah. How many socialists do you think have actually read that? I'm, I'm guessing very oh, few. Oh, man, they, they, they're so illiterate. It's hard for me to tell. Oh, it's just, just poking So here we are in the vault, right? Yeah. You got the painting of the dead manners, four guys who got shot, four guys that didn't. And uh, we're all here. <laughs> well, so the good news is everybody here is alive, Tom. So we're, we're going to be okay. Dude, so there's that. But the uh, dude, <clears throat> if they had done a little bit of research on you, they could have pumped the price of this place up probably two x, three x. If they had just known a little. Well, bit. you know the story about how we bought this building. Do you know the story? Let's hear the story. Okay, so here's a story. It was a coincidence and an accident, right? I was was here with you, and then there was another building that you were going to go with. So we we came, and I made an offer on this building. And the offer I made, the the owner of the building, he only, his counteroffer, he came down like, you know, $25,000, $50,000. I'm like, what is this all about? So my realtor calls his path, don't get upset. We can still counter. I said, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not making a counteroffer. And he says, no, no, let's make a counteroffer. Something could happen. I said, I am out. I'm not making a counteroffer. Anyways, long story short, I buy the other building off of Federal. We buy the building. You've been to the Federal building there as well. It's a lot of build out. We bring all the people to help us build the place out. And I hired this designer to show up, and he shows up. The best in town designer. Everybody in the market knows who he is. A beast of a designer. He shows up. Good-looking guy, well-spoken. You know he knows what he's doing. I said, so uh, where are you based out of? He says, my office uh, headquarters is based out of Fort Lauderdale. I said, no way. Yeah, it's very cool. I said, uh, where in Fort Lauderdale? This is off of Dixie. I said, where in Dixie? He gives the address. I said, let me get this straight. I made an offer on your building. He says, you did make an offer on the building. I said, why did you only come down as much as you did? <laughs> he said, well, I saw who you were. I'm like, I don't know how to negotiate against this guy. I said, I better come down lower. I said, listen, you still want to do something or not? I text him that night. I said, uh, is it a waste of my time if I make an offer on the building? He said, it's not a waste of your time. I made an offer, a uh, cash offer, and we went back and forth within three or four days. We uh, figured it out. We finalized it. Nicest guy in the world, by the way. Absolute stud of a guy he is. 
and then we bought this building. And the, the idea was to buy one building. Accidentally, we bought two buildings. So <laughs> the other building, the, really, the, the other building, time that happened. The other building we bought simply for Gerard to go hang out there with his friends. That's, That's what it. Gerard's going to be doing. I'm ready to run. Yeah, he's going to have an underground thing going on very soon. Stay tuned for it. It's known as the lumberyard. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, guys worked all night to build this up. Shout, so shout out, out to, to Robert, shout yeah. out to yeah. Jorge, yeah. who set up his stuff right next door, to Eric, dude. to David, to everybody that worked on this. Jorge, Jorge and Robert, like, dude, Jorge is like, that dude is like construction catch-up. There is nothing he doesn't go well with. I mean, yeah. he, does, he does audio. He does it in English. He does it in Spanish. He's got beautiful long hair. That dude's a beast, man. He is a beast. You're man-crushing on Jorge. I, I, oh, man-crushing wow. so Robert really? also. What, what time did we get back here day. last night after the business planning workshop? Oh, we, so we had the business planning workshop yesterday, mm -hmm. which ended, I don't know what time it ended. So 9.30 we get here. Yeah. Okay? We come here at 9.30. We see this place. Uh, I had to get COVID tested because I got a flight right afterward to Vegas yeah. with Tom. And then we come today and we do this. But we come here last night. This place this, was empty. I was like, we're not nothing. having a podcast There's tomorrow. There's nothing here. There's Adam's no, like, I don't know if it's going to get no, done. Actually, I, I actually was giving Robert a little bit of shit. I was like, we got a plan. I left here at 9. I was like, we got a plan B, right? Like, we have a plan B. If this isn't ready, we're going to no. have a pocket. He's like, yeah, yeah, we got, we're going to go back to the old back office. To I was like, with I'm not going back what, there, bro. With what equipment? Yeah. We're going to do picnic tables in the so, parking lot to, and be very Florida. To right? put a button yeah. on this, Pat, how does it feel? This was your dream. This was your vision. It started with the vault, the yeah. picture, the Everything. Now here we are. Listen, you got a headquarters. We're in the vault. It's all come. I, I have one rule, man. I, 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 I have one rule. Anything I do when I'm making money, we have to have fun making money. Okay? If we're running a business, whether it's insurance, whether it's this, whether it's media, whatever we're doing, fun has to be at the you know foundation of it. You got to have fun with the people that you're working with. And how much more fun are you going to have than doing a freaking podcast in a bank vault? Who the hell puts a podcast in a bank vault? PBD. Well, we got a podcast in a bank vault now. So Sick. every time you know, we invite guests... You, you know, the podcast isn't a bank vault, right? What do you mean it's a bank vault? This was a bank, okay? This was the vault of Chase Bank, mm. and now it is a podcast. It's pretty crazy there's, to do that. There's only one thing missing, and I want to task the Valuetainers listening right now. We, we need the PBD podcast logo board mm -hmm. that we have coming up. So maybe yeah. they can, if you're out there in the, in the PBD podcast world, if you have an idea for the PBD podcast logo, a new PBD podcast logo for the vault, Submit it. Maybe, and, and maybe yours will be the one that gets chosen. That's a, that's a good idea. And then the other part is this shelf. If you if you focus on the shelves, David, this shelf is built for the best gifts that are sent, unique gifts that are sent that fit here. Don't send us a big thing because we can't fit it there. The best ones are going to make it on this shelf. If anybody Ooh. wants to send anything out here to us, uh, we got some room to put stuff on the shelf. So, uh, anyways, having said that, can we get right into it? Let's do it. Baby. Let's do it. So, Let's okay, go. Nick McKinley, how In you the doing? House. I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me here. This is absolute honor to be the, I mean, first guest in the vault. Uh, I will say that as a former CIA operative, this is not the first time I have been questioned <laughs> in a vault. <laughs> so uh, if you guys want me to give you some best practices, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. Lay it on us. I, I know some people that wouldn't mind learning some of the best practices. <laughs> By the way, we just had another CIA agent on here, Matt, Matt Zeller. Zeller. yeah. And Matt Zeller, uh, I don't know if you know Matt Zeller. Uh, Huge uh, yeah. Trump fan. Don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> he makes me look like I love Trump. Put it yeah. that way. Huge Trump fan. Yeah, no, Matt Zeller was on a month and a half ago. Uh, Matt was, uh, uh, he had a video that went viral with Brian Williams when he called out the administration on the way they handled Afghanistan. And if you see, oh. you, you would know who he is. Yeah, you would yeah, know yeah. who he is. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, uh, you know, he's got a complete different take on, the, on certain things that are taking place, but... 
Uh, we're glad to have you on. We were in Montana trying to hook up together in Whitefish. Right. The family, right. all this other stuff. But I'm glad we were able to do it here. Guys, let me tell you what stories we got going on. Right, We got a lot of them, okay? Uh, uh, probably the most important story that we have to cover. Um, th- this is the one you got a little bit emotional about. I, yeah. I want to make sure everybody knows about this. Uh, Playboy Mansion party poodle got addicted to cocaine. Yeah. Claims he, it's, it's, he, it's, was, he had a rough life. Catastrophic. Rough. So this put, we need to know what happened. How does a dog get addicted to cocaine? We'll find well, out I'll here in a minute. Well, I'll tell you, Pat. Here's how that happens. <laughs> it, starts, starts with, it starts with marijuana. That's how it always starts. That's the gateway drug. Where were the poodle's the, parents? Yeah. That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> top, general, top Iranian general, revenge for Soleimani, death to happen within the U.S. No one will forget what we do. Okay. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say about that. I know you got some strong opinions on that. Nearly twice as many military members died from suicide July through September than they did from coronavirus since pandemic start. Michelle Obama's urgent message about this year's midterm election. Some are saying she may be thinking about running for office 2023, but who knows if Biden doesn't run. Democrats now fear school closing will hurt them politically. Blinken, if Russia attacks Ukraine, NATO will reinforce the Baltic states and Poland. Uh, AOC test uh, positive for COVID after partying in Miami. Uh, were you were you there at the party with her? Were you, you, were you guys at the? I'm being actually serious with no, you. No, I did okay, not see it. her there. All right, but so, someone said they feel bad for Omicron because they have they're stuck with AOC I, for I the next ten days. Did you say that? <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, it's up on my there Instagram. Yeah, Taco Bell is selling a ten dollar monthly taco subscription. Tom, I'm curious to know what you think about, about that. that. Story right Foreclosures soared to 94 percent from a year ago. That's a big number, by the way. Common office desk police uh, leaked uh, into Chinese uh, uh, government, meaning they're leaking into Pennsylvania is among top human trafficking states in the country. Uh, Want to hear what you have to say about that. Jelaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial. I know you've been following that closely yourself. Uh, FBI whistleblower blast delay after a long time CNN producer John Griffin child tra- trafficking arrest. Facebook parent company, Meta, largest ever lease in downtown Austin. Is Facebook moving to Texas? That'd be crazy if that were to take place. Mm-hmm. In a bizarre rant, Alec Baldwin just compared the shooting of the cinematographer to January 6th and seemed to blame both on right-wing hate. El Salvador promotes fitness to fight COVID. And then obviously the issues that's going on with Novak uh, 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 Djokovic, Djokovic, which is all over the place. But let's start off with Bob Saget, comedian, Full House star, dead at 65 years old at Orlando uh, Ritz Carlton, a hotel I've stayed at many times. I grew up watching this guy with Full House. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but oh, we yeah. grew up. Maybe, maybe even my English got better by watching Full House and Bob mm-hmm. Saget. When that story came out, it was uh, it was absolutely bizarre because wasn't he just on? Uh, uh, he was on a podcast. He was on Rogan podcast or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a year ago. Even Joe posted it on his Instagram about. Bob Saget. Talib Kweli's podcast also, believe it or not. One of the better Great podcasts. Yeah. Talib Kweli and Bob Saget. And we were just, uh, me and Caroline Miljavik were just at the Orlando Improv, stayed at that hotel. Like three days so before. Crazy. They're saying that there was no funny business. They found no drug. He was a healthy 65-year-old guy. I don't know what he oh, had going on. You're not going to get me down this... You're not going to get me no, down I this road. You road. love yeah, conspiracy yeah. theories, so go oh, somewhere with that. What are you talking about? get us taken off the air. What no, are you talking about? I'd love to know what type of medicine... He took, right, mm-hmm. but but that is the story that's going around. Okay, so so there is, there are people that are speculating was because anytime something like this happened at sixty five, you know what was it? Was there something else? He that's had going just on? performed the, yeah. that night. Remember you know right? what's crazy? I will say this though. 
when I was younger, yeah. 65 was like, well, he was 65. And now, mm -hmm. like, 65 seems so young. Exactly. Like, if anybody dies under 80, it's, like, to me, a shock. That's like, why like, Social Security started at 62, yeah. because you only are expected to make it to 65. Totally. And it wasn't wasn't supposed to be a, a lifelong payout plan, because you were supposed to be just basically like, all right, yeah. enjoy your rocking chair for three years, boom, you're dead. Now people are living Jeez. to 85, that, 95, no problem. The, isn't that one of the weird things, though? We look, we think about, like, society, like, is crumbling around us at all times. And it's like, man, yeah, guy died at 65. And it's like, man, We've, we've we're doing pretty good here as a people right like within a yeah. 30 year span we've you know 33 percent of our lifespan I our agree. life expectancy and everybody's well, like the so, sky's falling all the time look i don't want to you know enter any conspiracy but what do you think actually happened with bob saget here i think you have to wait and see because you know there's always they said, that the, they said that the autopsy is going to be did you weeks just, and weeks and weeks you want to hear you just asked me or you just want go to ahead biz dog <laughs> you're 65 tell us what it's like when <laughs> <laughs> oh i got your 65 right here dude. <laughs> with this thing right here um no it, you know about um about was it six, seven months ago? There was a very prominent African American actor that passed away in New York, and yep. and then for a whole week it was very, very sad, and there was speculation. And then it turns out in the autopsy, he had had a relapse. He started using again, and he had cardiopulmonary paralysis, basically mm -hmm. caused himself a heart attack, and it was very, very tragic. A lot of his friends said, you know, we thought he had gotten through this and everything, but apparently, remember that? Who was the actor? I I don't remember the name. Uh -huh. like you're talking HBO. about. You're talking about Chadwick Boseman or not? No, 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 that, was no, no, no. that was cancer. No, no, no. That, yeah. was, yeah. that was cancer. No, this is something else. And so right now what you've got... You're talking you, about the guy from The Wire. Uh, ah, Michael, yes, yes. Uh, Omar. Yes, what's yes. his name? Michael... Omar uh, from The Wire. Yeah. 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 Not, seemingly nice guy yes, in all of his interviews. Yeah. Very, very gifted character actor. Very, very, very fun to watch. Um, and there was this calm, right? And mm -hmm. then we found out. And I just hope... You know, that this isn't one of those things. I don't hope that Saget had a heart attack, but I, I hope it's like natural causes or something. And mm -hmm. be, I would really be bummed out if it's yet another Pass. someone what, using. What I, just, I want to know what he knew about, you know, what information he knew that would lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's really. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you're going with this? Unbelievable. Pat, you came to the United States 1992? 1990, November 1990. Yeah. I think I saw Saget in a t-shirt. Oswald acted alone. That's right. <laughs> this was the height of Full House, early yeah. 90. You yeah. must have watched Full House, Saved by the Bell, Those these two. types of shows. Yep. They, you probably literally learned English watching I the just, Tanner yeah, he, family. He, he's probably one of my English teachers. Bob Saget's one of my English teachers. <laughs> he gave teachers. you the 1.8 GPA. Congratulations. <laughs> he, he gave me the, so no, tell us your, your, like, what comes to mind when you think of Bob Saget? Look, I don't, I don't know the man, so I can't give my opinions on it. But I just, when I, when I study somebody in an interview and you hear how, we're talk, how they're talking and who they are, mm -hmm. the stories, you know, he, he was a guy that, you know, liked women, partied, all this stuff. Like, you mm -hmm. hear a lot of stories about him being a party guy. But he had settled down. He was in a uh, more of a serious relationship. But this is a guy that, to us, you watch this guy on TV. So when you see something, something like this taking place, mm -hmm. it's tragic. I'm sure the family's furious right now, devastated right now. They're going through tough times. Uh, mm -hmm. Just wanted to give uh, our condolences to the Saget family. Mm -hmm. And obviously the stories, whatever's going to come out, we'll wait for it. But Let me, uh, let me ask G. He's a comedian. Yeah. You're a comedian. I sure. did comedy for a long time. Sure. As a comedian, how do you process this? Uh, you know what's weird? The because um, he performed that night, dude. Yeah, no, you know, uh, the one that hit me hardest was when uh, Greg Giraldo. Died. That's my favorite yeah, of no, all when, time. When when Greg Giraldo died in Jersey at the Stress Factory, the club where but I got that was start. Full on drugs. Yeah, well, he always was, but like you know, he was so good for so yeah. long. Like nobody really you knew. Know I Greg mean, Giraldo. 
great, yeah. great pull roast him guy. up you'll know him like yeah. the, the roast master general but basically. you know the thing with Bob Saget man is that he lives on forever like the weird thing that we're all doing in this industry is we're chasing immortality why do we mm. not go after money why we everything's legacy you know he's gonna live on forever in reruns he's gonna live on one of the things I don't like is how the internet and the internet's the internet it is what it is you know people are calling him a pedo they're calling him all these other things because of some of the, the raunchy jokes that he made and it, you know he's, he's a very 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 blue comic for people that don't he was not Danny Tanner for no, people no, that no, don't no. Was an act. That was an act. He was not Danny Tanner. And uh, he was this also on America's was... Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, yeah. And but he, he was, was really the guy who no, did the aristocrats his, joke. That was well, his living room. His... That's the living room persona. But his comedy was way Blue. up to the edge. Hell yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but he lives on. I mean, basically, BoJack Horseman is an entire series based on him. I mean, satirizing right. him, you know. And, and I mean, you know, really what it comes down to is, like, look at how culturally relevant that pop comedy was. Like, uh, Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Do you know who the breakup was that caused all those? Yeah, it was Danny. Uh, it was Dave Coulier. Cut, cut it out. Exactly. Cut it out. The corniest yeah. guy on TV was, yeah, was that, responsible that's, for that's Atlanta's the guy where She's crying in every song Nick? about Dave yeah, oh, Coulier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Bob Saget. Look, also, guys, I mean, yeah. Betty White, Bob Saget. Here's the other side of it. Everybody listening to this, like. We're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is kind of like Brendan Shaw when we had him on. It was a cold comment that he had, but it was the right comment. When we were like, you know, David cuts in and goes, guys, Betty White died. And all of us are like, oh, wow. That's breaking news. Yeah. She's 99 years old. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's what 99-year-olds yeah. do. I'm like, damn, dude, chill. I'll tell you one quick uh, Bob Saget story, and then I'm sure we want to move on. So I've met some pretty, you know, known people, especially in my time in L.A. when I was doing the whole Kardashian thing. And I'm sitting at a restaurant like this. And in the booth behind me, I'm with my boys, and I turn around. I'm like, holy shit, it's Bob Saget. And he's sitting there with John Mayer, the two of them. And they're going over jokes because John Mayer, talented musician, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was trying to break through into comedy. I'm sure you've known. He the was jo- doing that with uh, Chappelle. With Chappelle, while, yeah. exactly. Right. So and I'm thinking, fucking Bob Saget is coaching up John Mayer over here about stand-up comedy. I'm like, this is pretty freaking cool. And I was like, hey, guys, can I... T-? No, they're just like... That's where the story game. ends? That's where it ends. Okay, right rest in peace, uh, Bob Saget. <laughs> exactly. That story was... Uh, I'm just saying, uh, like, what we've done too, part, right? <laughs> they say uh, to never meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah, it's... You You're going to be all right. Sorry, man. guys. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't go down the... I, I got <laughs> pedophiled by Bob Saget's story. Like, Pat just pulled uh, the Apollo with the yeah. look. He just pulled the... the <laughs> I we're expecting a big story to come out. I'm just saying it was cool. stuff to talk about. Pat gave me the cut it out thing, and I had to go. You're gonna be all right, buddy. Pat's okay. You know what Pat just said? By next episode, Pat's gonna hit a button. It's gonna you start know, playing I'm the just... Oscars music. Wrap it up. That's the way one bad Bob Saget story, John Mayer. You know, you know what Pat just you said? No, guys, I'm out of here. You know, America's got this big fascination with celebrity deaths. America has this this huge fascination, tabloid fascination. Tom, with and, death in general, bro. Yes. Like Discovery when, ID, murder docs. I mean, you, you got know. it. You got it. But anyway, the point is, I remember. Way back when, you know, E.T. was covering, and I mean the show, not the little guy, uh, the death of Farrah Fawcett, America's sweetheart, one of the first pinups and everything. Farrah Fawcett has passed away today, da-da-da. And what Pat just did is what happened at 3 o'clock Pacific time that day. And Farrah Fawcett, loved by all, wait a minute, wait a minute, Michael Jackson has been rushed to the hospital. So everybody forgets that Farrah Fawcett died in the morning, Michael Jackson died in the afternoon, and all the, the E.T. stuff, they literally stopped mid-sentence. So Pat was just right here, all right, done, here's the hook. By, by, by the way, crazy question, since we're talking about this thing, and the way you brought it up, you're like what Brandon Shop said, 99 years old. Yeah. You, you've been asked this question before. I'm just curious to know what your answer is going to be. 
Would you want to know the day you're going to die or no? No. no. Absolutely. Absolutely. You would? Absolutely. You would want to know. 100%. I got the psychic for $2,000. She'll tell you. You know why? I got the hitman for, for $2,000. You, you said absolutely not. Why absolutely not, not? Why not? This is a CIA operative. Let's hear your response to this. Yeah, so. Uh, but, and by the way, everybody, everybody listen to this. I'm curious. Comment as well. Would you want to know the day you're going to die? Go ahead. It, it, it would change every decision that you would make. If you, if you knew, you would, uh, you would make sacrifices that you wouldn't otherwise make, and you would, you would no longer be playing the long game because you would, you would now be in a zero-sum game. Hmm. So, you know, I mean... the, the most perspective. Su- yeah, the most successful people that, that, that I know, you talk about this on your, uh, on your podcasts and, and in your social media a lot, right? I mean, you've you got to play the long game. You're, you're playing chess, not checkers. Mm-hmm. And if you knew the day that you were going to die... I mean, we're not even talking the minute. You just knew the day you were going to die. You just entered a checkers game. And at that point, like, why, why, why plan beyond that point? Right? Mm. So Why do you say that's oh, a checkers oh, game, knowing the day you're going to die? Because you're, you're, you're no longer, by not knowing. So yeah. it, it, uh, I think Elon Musk said that if you, if you give yourself 30 days to clean your house, it'll take 30, it'll days. Take 30 days. If you give yourself three hours, it'll take three hours. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you're going to get hit by a car this afternoon, and so you play the game. Most people, I think, most successful people play the game as if they are going to get hit by a car this afternoon. So you try to pack in as much as they can, as much life, as much, uh, as much value as they can in as short a period of time as mm. they can. And that, that leads to somebody like Elon Musk creating freaking you know, car companies that, that outperform GM and trying to colonize Mars simultaneously, right? I'm trying to fight human trafficking and fraud simultaneously. If I knew that I had another 70 years, I would probably slow down. Nick, Is that I, a good thing? Nick, I disagree with you completely. Yeah? 100%. I think that you're a high-functioning individual, and you're making a classic mistake. A lot of, of people would disagree with that. Other people <laughs> are high-functioning. I've seen people in my life, in my family, wake up every day, sit in traffic they don't want to sit in to go to a job that they don't want to do because yeah. they need to accumulate wealth for a life that they don't really live. So if they knew that they had eight years left, do you think they're sitting in an hour and a half traffic going through the Lincoln Tunnel to go it's work a, a job point. that they don't want to do? Or do you That's think that they're finally getting their ass out, going to Europe, seeing what they want to see, doing what they want to do? You know, we get caught up in an accumulation game, but you never, nobody here has ever seen a tombstone with a net worth on it. Mm-hmm. So if you knew your days were numbered, You'd start checking things off the bucket list immediately. I can offer some interesting perspective on that because, so uh, my career started, right, straight in the military, straight in special ops, uh, lost my two best friends six months after we graduated PJ school. Like, I didn't think I would make it to 25. And I made it to 25, and I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to make it to 30 because none of my friends did. Then I made it to 30, and then I was like, well, 40 like there, there's no possible way that's going to happen because none of my friends did because you were the cocaine poodle yeah pretty much <laughs> are you 40 uh, yet or no yeah i'm 43 now okay and bro. so you know so then i was like all right you know late 30s got married i've got two toddlers now right i mean so so i guess just kind of playing a, a uh, i guess you would say a pretty fast and loose game in combat uh and doing some really dangerous mm-hmm. stuff in in my teens and 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 20s i mean you can make an argument that most special operators are like are borderline suicidal uh with the stuff that we do in i had to come to 
uh, I had to come to terms with my own death pretty darn fast. There's a certain amount of freedom in that, though, isn't there's there? There's a there's nothing but freedom in that. Okay, and explain that to me because you're 21, you're thinking I'm not making it to 25. You're 25, you're thinking I'm not making it to 30, 34. Pat talks about 20 year runs, right? Mm -hmm. First 20 years, don't do anything stupid. Next 20 years, make your money. You know, the 20 years mm -hmm. after that. Work on what you want to be doing, right? And then your last 40 through 20 years, give back. Did I summarize it okay? But you, you thought you'd be dead by 25, 30. What the hell's that mindset? How do you, walk me through why that's freedom or liberating. It's liberating depending on what your currency is, right? So everybody's got a different currency, right? Uh, my, my currency is impact. Like I am going to reduce human trafficking by eight, globally by 80% by the time I die. I'm going to drive, I'm going to drive a billion dollars into the fight against human trafficking by 2040. Mm -hmm. I got 18 years left on that. Um, but, but that's the impact that I'm having now. The impact I was having then, you know, over my, my time in pararescue, you know, there's 27 people that got to go home to their, uh, that got to go home to their families because of the impact that I had uh, in that time. So it all depends, I think, on what your, what your currency is. If, if the currency is, well, I just, I'm going to sit in this traffic because I want to make sure that my kids can go to college and I want to pay for it. I want to say it's 100% yeah, noble and dutiful to do that. Absolutely. But I think there's a difference between a, a culture of accumulation, which I fully agree that we are, we are eyeballs deep in a culture of accumulation. Um, there, there's a difference between that and then also having a, a, a culture outside of self where you're thinking about your kids and that's why you're willing to sit in that traffic. Mm -hmm. So I think it all depends on, are you willing to sit in the traffic just yeah. because you're trying to get the, get the thing for yourself or are you sitting in the traffic because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to lift your, <coughs> your family up generationally. And I think we have so many, you look at the immigrant community in this country, you have so many immigrants who come to this country and fathers and mothers who will kill themselves with work so that their children can go to college and live the American dream. So I think it all depends on the reason why I, you're I doing think, it. I think what you said made so much sense that it has to do with currency. There's two things that, Gerard, that you contradicted yourself, and I want to kind of highlight this because of what you, you made one very good point uh, when you said Saget's legacy is going to live on, right? So the currency of that is what? legacy is going to live on, which means we want to figure out a way to live forever, right? If you got eight years to live, you're going to probably sit there and go through all the stuff you want to do. Um, you know, I'm going to go see this. I'm going to go party here. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try And you're like, dude, this shit is boring as hell. What the hell is this all about? Mm -hmm. Then you're going to say, what am I going to do for me to put a, you know, leave a legacy behind? The famous Jewish proverb, I don't know if it's a proverb or a saying, is there's three uh, things every man should do. You know, the one is plant a tree. Mm -hmm. Second one is uh, uh, have a son. Third one is write a book. Each one of those things is about what? Something outliving you, right? Like you want something to outlive you. Uh, uh, so I don't, know, I don't know if I'd want to know when I'm dying. I don't know if I'd want to know if I'm dying. <laughs> Would you want to know when you're dying, Tom? Would you want to know the day you're dying? I'm, I'm comfortable every day. Yeah. I'm comfortable every day with this. And it comes from, from my faith, which is really, really Bingo. deep. And so... I, I believe that God's numbered my days, and I'm just not here to be foolish with them. I don't walk in front of trucks and say, I wonder if today's my day, and mm -hmm. God's going to mysteriously yep. 
Holy Spirit's yep. going to sweep me away from the front of that truck. No, my my faith is also based on impact. Uh, that's why at the end of all my case studies, they say, my name is Tom Ellsworth, the business and I hope I left you better than I found you. Yeah. I just, that's my impact. I want to teach and lead people better than I found mm. them. And so with my faith, I'm very, very comfortable with it. Um, I came face to face with that a little bit, you know, this summer, you know, with, um, with COVID, wondering why I was one of the 1% that Delta hurt, that I'm sitting there in ICU and I got Delta and I don't have diabetes and I'm my, you know, all the, all the other markers, I have no comorbidities, I'm not heavy, I mean, all the things were there. I'm like, okay, Lord, is this the way it's going to be? And okay, and I, I sent a lot of emails to a lot of people and did a lot of things in that day. And I also think about you, what you're asking, that's me, but I'm going to say, let's look at a real-life example. Um, you remember Randy Pausch, who was the professor at Carnegie Mellon University mm-hmm. in uh, Last Lectures, it yep, was called. Yep. When you know, it's an amazing thing, Pat, when you know most people turn to impact, when Randy knew, he knew his cancer was stage three, he said, look, this is the way it's going to go. So he said, I'm going to use as much of my time as I'm physically able to teach and to talk. And he did this whole series called Last Lectures, which is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it was captured also a little bit um, in the book Tuesdays with Maury. Yeah. Um, uh, Mitch Album. Correct. Great book. Great book, yeah. So I think when people face it, they usually turn to impact and you, they don't turn to partying and seeing all the places yeah. on earth because at the end of the day, that's kind of meaningless. Did I see everything? Do, Tom, do you think, you know, the saying, the, the, the question about, uh, uh, you know, uh, can you have it all? Do you think you can have it all? Like if you, if you were to say, give, give a name of somebody right now in media that you see that this guy's got it all. He's got... He's having the time of his life. He's making George money. George Clooney comes to mind. A wife, Dwayne kids, Johnson. legacy. Okay, so let's just say Dwayne Johnson has it all, right? Who else would you say somebody that you see saying this guy's got it all? You're talking specifically media. I'm not. You can say business. You can say Hollywood. You I'm can say sports. Out you there can say I think coach. most people would say you, Elon Musk has it all. He's able to build whatever businesses he wants. He's had the capital to do it. Mm-hmm. And he appears like he's having a good time. I think LeBron has it all. Matt, I do. He seems so insecure for somebody that has it all, man. I think he's pretty secure. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, like, McCon- a thing there. McConaughey. Michael Jordan. McConaughey. Uh, McConaughey. You know what? That's a good one right there. McConaughey's married to a beautiful wife, mm-hmm. got kids, yep. made it in Hollywood, yep. is thinking about politics, yep. is well-read, wrote a book that became a New York Times bestseller. I think a story like that, because, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and here's what they'll say. They'll say things like, well, you know, you, you got to give, you, you know, you can't have it all. You can't do this, and you can't do that, and there's no way in the world you can have money and you can have success and you can have friendship and you can have fun and you can have this what i've found from people that say stuff like that that's an alibi to not have to give your best Hmm. that's been my experience having hurt people who take that position is i need an alibi to not because what is the most annoying thing about being married tell me what's the most annoying thing about being married What's the most annoying thing about being? Go ahead, you can say. My, my wife is watching this. Yeah. So. <laughs> easy, really. Go easy. What, what do you use the CIA before I, you see an well, ambush? You three are married. What I don't is, think Gerard and well, I can well, answer this. Let me this ask one. you. Let me ask you. When you were when married, I was briefly married. What, what, what's the most annoying thing about being married? What's the most annoying? My thing about response being is not going to be as mature as your response. Well, then give it to me. Go ahead. It's, she it's, wouldn't let me go out and party with like. Okay. It's like what? Is married. Well, by the way, by the way, that is one of the annoying. But just let me go do my thing. Yeah, let me go do my thing. 
Nah, I yeah. gotta tell you, you know, I w- I've never been married, but my ex was about as close as a god. And I, you don't marry her, you marry the whole family. Her family That's true. Is so awful. By the way, god. absolute yes. very good point. Oh, because yeah. when you do marry her a sister, family. was the worst human being. I yeah. don't even know if her sister. Drugs, yeah. Look in that camera right now. Talk to that <laughs> stupid oh, bitch right now. God, that, <laughs> what is the most annoying thing? She's like, yeah, yeah. she's like a human. It's like they took ashtrays. They took the ashes from a cigarette tray and somehow animated into a human being. <laughs> this is soulless, decrepit human being. What? Her sister is. What? Oh my. What? You're not still hung up on it. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, so when you think about single guys that want to get married, what's the what's the biggest thing that happens a week before guys gonna get married? What what, what do you hear about? You go to your bachelor party. Or no, no. What? But what you hear about guys having anxiety attacks, guys oh. having like panic attacks, going to their buddies. Not what you do. I don't know if this, is this it. I don't know if I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like the whole runaway bride. There's a lot of runaway grooms. You know, runaway. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to out you guys here. I mean, but I, you know, like. One woman for the rest of your life is a tough. That's a that's a tough. Betting you're in betting half of your salary against betting half of your entire wealth against uh, Gerard just went Vegas. Okay, evolution. so it's all odds. That's what we're doing. Yeah. That's what I don't think the against your hormones. Hang on, guys. David, the voice of God has got something to say. <laughs> Tell us, David. What, what's the reason? Go that's ahead. That's what single guys say. What Gerard just said. What's up? It's what single guys say. Yeah. You I'm give her half of your wealth. It's about spending the rest of your life with the person you love. Oh, with Jesus that voice. Christ, with that voice, David. <laughs> no, but you know what it is? Here's what it Tell is. Us, okay, man. here's what it is. Just think about it. Number one, it's the R word. What is the R word? Maybe one of the most responsibility, un- responsibility mm-hmm. yeah. sucks. It's yes. annoying, right? I don't want it. It's the A word. What's the A word? Accountability, accountability sucks. It's the C word. What's the C word? Uh, we can't say uh, that. Commitment. Wait, 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 wait. Commitment sucks. Oh, <laughs> okay, so those three things. It's Is like, there a D word? Uh, you know, yeah. but, but, but she didn't hear it from <laughs> yeah. me. Exactly. So, is there an F word that only yeah. happens once a but, month? But the, what is but, the deal? But the point is, the point is, the point is, you got those three things. Responsibility, accountability, commitment. Those three things are annoying. Anything big you ever do in your life requires all those three things, yeah. and it sucks. Exactly it doesn't right. matter what you're doing. You want to be in shape. You want to work out. You want to win a championship. You want to get your Super Bowl ring. You want to be a millionaire. Yeah. You want to be a billionaire. You want to make it on the list. You want to build a big church. You want to be you know, 80% human traffic and raising a billion dollars the next 20 years and doing what you're doing. Any of that stuff requires, requires. You have to be responsible to your diet if you want to be in shape. You have to be accountable mm-hmm. to a train. You have to be committed to show up mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock. It absolutely sucks. But on the other end of it, holy freaking moly, on the other end of it is that, that visual of you're at a school, kid is graduating, you see your son, your daughter, and you have that moment together on all the things you overcame. Those things are priceless. That's what makes relationships unique. Right. That's what makes marriage unique. That's what makes friendships, relationships there's something about it. So those three most annoying words in the world, responsibility, accountability, and commitment. I will say all of the most successful men I know in life, in business, in sports, yep. mm-hmm. all dutifully married. Dutifully married. Well, here's my question. Would you get married if there were no kids involved? Would you just be a married couple, no kids? So, so I'll give you a hypothetical question. So I, but, listen, I listened. Yeah. We were talking about this the other night at the house, right? We were up till God knows what time that night. We were strategizing. Phenomenal session that day. Yeah. We had, yep. we had nice cigars. We had nice drinks. We had everything. So we didn't have cutters and lighters. Which is, <laughs> I don't know how you get cigars without cutters and lighters, but it is what it is. One of the podcasts I was listening to, weirdest podcast I listened to, but it was absolutely I couldn't stop listening to it. Okay, uh, the podcast had four people there. One guy who's single 
who doesn't believe in God, doesn't go to church, atheist who thinks you need to be promiscuous. And he's left and right going out there and hooking up. He says, that's what you need to do. Swipe right every day. Why not? Get it out of your system. The second one is <laughs> a, a newlywed, a newlywed who doesn't want to have kids. And all they want to do is the rest of their lives, they just want to be together. They don't want to have kids, right? It makes no sense. Another one is in their 40s, they have kids. Kids are, you know, high school, about to go to college, and they're going through struggles. And another couple that was there was a Christian pastor that was married They're in their 60s, and they're going through all this stuff. So the young guy's talking about sex, all this stuff. The middle husband and wife are talking about what we got to get our connection to be better in this area and that area. Everybody's telling their issues, right? And then a 60-something-year-old says, look, when I was younger, I didn't think, I thought marriage was just about kids. I thought marriage was just about this. He says, wait till you're married, and then your wife has to have a surgery that you can't have, have sex for six months. Your, your marriage will be tested, and that's what happened to us. And I had the biggest fights with my wife and this and this and that, and it was the worst thing. But you know what happened two years later? Two years later, I couldn't get it up. He's saying this on a podcast. Mm. He Ooh. says, now try facing your wife, and every time you're in the bedroom, you're like, oh, babe, you know, it's... I, you know, I drank too much, or I, you know, I was, I'm sorry, it was a bad day. You know, I didn't have enough pineapple, or I didn't, whatever excuses you're going to make. You're yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, and then you try to change the subject. You want to go to dinner together? You want to go? It's awkward. Yeah. And he's telling the story. And he says, but as you get older, you're going to realize companionship is very important. Once kids are gone, everybody else gone, the last thing you're going to fear is in your 60s, 70s, is being by yourself in a house. Mm-hmm. And if it, you can get a 28 year old come to your house, you can get a 32 year old come to your house. But what is the depth of that relationship? Yesterday we talked about how do you, how do you uh, uh, measure a successful marriage and business? How do you measure a successful marriage and business? What is it? Is it how many employees you got? Is it how much money you make? And the way you me- uh, uh, measure a successful business or marriage is what? Depth and duration. How many of you guys know people that have been married for 50 years and are miserable? I know a lot of people. We talk about one of the people you know that are married and not happily, happy together, right? Then the other yeah. one is depth. Hmm. You see depth, you see a business. We've been around for 100 years, but we want to make 100 grand a year. Well, we've been around for 100 years, but we have 17,000 employees and we have a legacy of this, 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 that, right? So to me, there's a little bit of both. Yeah, this it's is like the, the Matt Sapala thing. By the go way, wide, go deep. Like that's basically yeah, his thing. By the way, crazy question here. Crazy question. You can't answer this. You can't answer this. I'm curious to know what uh, Nick, you and Gerard will say. Can you say what is the oldest surviving business in the world? What country it's based out of? Oldest business in the world. Mm. David, I want you, uh, Tyler, I want you to pull it up once I'm done asking him. Let them answer it. Forget about the name of it. What country is it from? Oldest business in the world. Let us know in in the the comments what you think. Oldest business in the world. Continually operating? Yeah, continually operating has never gone out of business. Same company. In the world. Yeah, no one bought them out. They're independent. They're still around growing, doing good things. Where is it based out of? (laughs) I'm so curious to know what you're going to say. The Vatican? Okay, what would you say? By, by the way, that's a good guess. It's a very good guess. Yeah, very actually. good guess. It's a great guess. I was actually going to say it's got to be something in the, uh, in the like Iraqi, you know, Aramaic you're thinking Mesopotamia. Area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, gotta, so you're you're going Middle East, Tyler. Do you know? For sure. Do you have a guess? What I said, Middle East. Okay, now here's the second question: How many years do you think it is? Mm. <clears throat> got to be over a thousand. Mm. Would you say over a thousand? Mm-hmm. Gerard, would you say also over a thousand? Uh, well, unless we're talking like modern businesses, the, like the Dutch East on India company was like it's two hundred what fifty years old, two hundred sixty years old. I don't know. Yeah, if it's the Vatican, if that's I, also if I an important. Okay, yes. cool. Say that, it's Check this out. So we're old. doing research for this whole course that we just put together, yeah. right? Because we're trying to find out the depth and duration. The oldest business in the world, if you want to pull it up, the oldest business in the world is in Japan, 
Yeah. It's been around for 1,460 years old. What? 60 years. 1,460. Wow. They interviewed the CEO of this company. Okay? They interviewed the CEO of this company. The company is called Conga. I, I think there's a, a unique name to it. Uh, uh, what is the name of it if you go to it? Uh, uh, it's Japan. Go a little closer. Can you do Control Plus? Oh, only There's fans. Go. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Congo Gumi. Congo Gumi. That's been around for 1,464 years. What do they do? Yeah. So uh, if you open it up, it'll explain what the business is. But here's the key. They asked the president and the CEO, what is the key to success with your company? You know what he said? Don't drink too much. Really? And they said, what do you mean don't drink too much? It's not don't drink too much like alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's don't drink too much of your success. Don't drink too much of your own, you know, uh, ego. Okay, okay. Don't drink too much of, you know, I'm so important. Don't drink too much of this. And then don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And then whole culture's moderation. That's like, the part. Whole culture. Mm -hmm. And by, by the way, the whole story is based on Toyota. When Toyota came out, started whooping on uh, Ford and uh, mm -hmm. uh, GM and everybody Kaizen, in the U.S. Kaizen. Kaizen. You got yeah. it. And there was a book written called Toyota's Way. Mm -hmm. Uh, American automakers send their executives to Japan, and they found that Japan's short-term business plan is 20 years. Mm -hmm. A short-term business plan they write is 20 years. Well, America's short-term business plan is 30 days. You know, yeah. It's like, hey! Yeah, I mean, we're, we're running into a major political issue with that right now. I mean, the, the autocrats across the world have realized, man, we just have to wait these guys out. Our, yeah. our, our foreign policy changes every two years. China's got the same foreign policy for 50 you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you, how do you compete in that? In it was that. one of the powerful things Matt Zeller said, by the way. He says, we can wait. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. they got the watch You're saying that Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. He, says, Afghanistan? he says, what we have that you guys don't have is time. time. Yeah. We we'll have wait time. You, you we'll have wait it out. You have all the watches. We have all the time. Yeah. Crazy oh, line. Yeah, okay. Crazy There's line. There's a lot of philosophy but, going but on here. To, a couple to your point about China, you know, look at, look at our politics these days. There's so much freaking gridlock in Washington. Nick, if you could talk a little less, that'd be great. There's so much gridlock in Washington <laughs> that, you know, every four years there's, some, there's a new plan, new game plan, new plan. Look at China. They're just like, we're going full steam ahead. Do you know how many uh, assignments a U.S. intelligence agent will get? About one every, every four years. You know how many a Chinese or a Russian intelligence agent get in their career? One. Wow. Right? Wow. One. Right? You get assigned to America. You're a GRU agent. You're, you're in America. 30 That's years. It. How true? Your, uh, Putin said there is no such thing as a former KGB agent. Yeah, how, how true is life. it with the uh, with the youth too? Like I, I've read that they're starting to infiltrate as as like early as like 15 years old. They'll take like I guess a 20 year old kid, say that they're 15, have them come over here. Oh yeah, and they'll be in our our school systems coming up through our system. Absolutely, and, and it'll it'll be a 20 year plan to infiltrate some sort of C suite, and they've they've been a CCP operative the whole time. Ab absolutely. I mean, it, it's it, it's a mm -hmm. they play generational games, right? We saw this with uh, with the Taliban in Afghanistan. We've seen this. I mean, we've we've seen this all over the world. They play generational games, and we play very short games. Um, however, you've got to you've got to you've got to ask yourself. Uh, I mean, we play we we definitely play the short game in America. Yet we have built more value than any other country in history in a very short period of time. Why is that? So there's there's arguments to be made for playing that short game within a single you know within a single lifetime right focusing on getting getting the gold watch and sitting on the beach right i mean look look at how much we but, what, but why was, why is that though why do you think that is that america in only 240 years has beaten everybody else why do you think that is liberty 
capitalism. Yeah, I think it's liberty. I think it's the values and principles this country was Absolutely. founded on. I think I, that, I think that's what it comes down to. And I wouldn't even yeah. I wouldn't even say capitalism. I would say it's liberty. Yes, because liberty is what gives you the like. If you want to be a communist in America, like you want to freaking join a commune in the it. middle of the mountains of Montana, go for it. Our principles totally of liberty would allow that. you to do that. Take yeah. it as far as you think you can take um, it. You want to you want to run a capitalist business do that you want to run a, a non-profit do that right i mean so i think i think it really comes down to it, it comes down to liberty and 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 then you take the, the liberty the brilliance of our founding fathers within the federalist system where you know my, my governor gianforte or your governor can say yeah federal government I, I don't really like your your rules and we're not going to play by that rule because we are sovereign in our state here uh so you take you take liberty in the federalist system and i think that's why uh, I like it, Bob. We talk about a lot of different things here. Let's go ahead and transition to the next story because I want to get your insight on what's going on with Jelaine Maxwell. So here we go. Jelaine Maxwell found guilty in sex trafficking uh, uh, trial. This is a Guardian story. British former socialite Jelaine Maxwell was found guilty of sex trafficking in a Manhattan federal court trial late December. Prosecutors said Maxwell uh, preyed on vulnerable young girls, manipulated them, and served them up to be sexually abused by Epstein. There were four accusers in this case, Jane, Kate, Caroline, uh, who did not use their full names, and Ann Farmer, who did. Jane testified that she was 14 years old in 1994 when Epstein started to sexually abuse her and that sometimes Maxwell was present about uh, during the abuse. At times, Maxwell participated in the abuse. There were hands everywhere, Jane recalled, of an encounter with Epstein and Maxwell. The abuse continued when she was 15, 16. Maxwell faced up to 65 years in prison. Jelaine Maxwell's little black book to remain secret after Judge Warren's Needles Name dropping. Needless. That's an independent, needless name dropping. By the way, who has the black book? Jelaine Maxwell's little black book containing the names and addresses of nearly 2,000 world leader, mm-hmm. leaders, celebrities, and alleged victims rem- will remain secret. Maxwell's defense attorney came to an ab- agreement with a prosecutor over the weekend not to release the 97-page directory to the public. Judge Allison Nathan had previously said she wanted to avoid needless Name dropping during the trial. The book was filled with contact details of Miss Maxwell and Epstein's famous friends, including Prince Andrew, former U.S. President uh, Bill Clinton, and Trump, and had been mentioned sporadically during her sex trafficking tr- uh, trial. So, I'm sure you, being in this world, you've been mm-hmm. following the story. What do you know about what's going on here? Oh, all right. I'm going to try to make this. I'm going to try to make this uh, fast. But this is very, very nuanced. So as an example, the uh, the black book being sealed, right? Well, that happened back in December, early December. Um, the black book is no longer sealed. Um, it was only sealed in the courtroom because uh, the judge didn't want the jury getting distracted with a bunch of super famous names. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was really what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've actually made this very easy for everybody. You can go to maxwelltrial.deliverfund.org, and we have posted links to the little black book, which uh, was leaked by Gawker back in 2015. Yep. You, can, you can see it there. You can see the flight logs. You can see all the evidence that was entered into court. Uh, and the reason we did that was to kind of uh, get, get rid of some of the ex- conspiracy theories. Now, the, the little black book, what is it? Uh, the DOJ has it. Uh, it was stolen by, a, uh, by the butler, I believe it was, who uh, was essentially using it as an insurance policy. The DOJ got their hands on it because the butler tried to then sell it to an undercover DOJ, uh, <coughs> FBI agent. Uh, he ended up getting some consequences for that. But the, the black book was an address book. It's no different than the address book in your phone, 
right? I mean, Patrick, you've got everybody from CIA people to mobsters in your phone, right? I mean, it's, it's prior to your phone, everyone had a little black book. Right. Right? It was called a you know your yeah, Rolodex. Yeah, or you know you had your Palm Pilot before that, or yeah. you know, depending on where you are in the the uh, the technology adoption story, it, it was just an address book. So there's all kinds of people in there who, uh, some of them were up to some, were up to no good, right. and some of them were doing Just some pretty terrible things, and some of them were, you know, the freaking handyman who fixed the hot water heater, gotcha. uh, right? I mean, so it's the where we get focused on the little black book. And so it's, it's not a ledger. It's not no, like a this no. person came. It's not here like the Heidi Fleiss uh, yeah, sex book, exactly. right? No, go go to. It's uh, an address book. Yeah, go Got to it. go to maxwelltrial.deliverfund.org and you and click on the link that says little black book. But it is pretty interesting what famous names might be in that book. Well, yeah, like now yeah, the plumber, okay, the handyman, your friend, but like that's Prince the Andrew's in the book, all right. That's the conversation, right? But Prince Andrew's in the book. Um, Bill I saw Clinton, I, Donald Trump, what Al, else? Alec Baldwin. I mean, but what's really bang, interesting? Bang. Don't focus on the black book. Focus on the flight logs. Correct. Mm. That's what you want to focus on, right? And we we posted a uh, uh, we posted a link to the flight logs as well. You focus on the flight logs and who's on there, right? And mm-hmm. and where they were going. So okay, we all know that Epstein Islands, right? This this is not uh, this is not Nick's opinion. This is now like fact. Right? DOJ established fact that there was sex trafficking happening um, within the uh, within the Epstein uh, compound. Uh, not not just compound, but within his ecosystem, right? Because it was the London House. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he had the oh, New right, York right. Townhouse, right? He, he had within, multiple locations within his saying. ecosystem. London House. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he has, uh, um, he had, he had, I mean, it places really all over the world. And so the question is, what was he doing? Um, where, where, what was the source of his funds? Because, like, tell me what his business was. He was a financial advisor, wasn't he? Was he? Was, wasn't he? <laughs> was he, though? I don't know. He was a financier. He did it. He was an executive producer. He was a financier of films and, and other projects. Well, that's one like of the that, things right? that they can't. And, I, and I've read, uh, I know where you're going with this. Uh, he, the guy died being worth around $600 million, $2 billion. But nobody knows how he made his money. Yeah. Maybe he had, had the, he had like the it, same like uh, financial advisor Nancy Pelosi does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a... It, it, that's the question that needs to be asked, right? And then, if you, where do you get that kind of power? Well, it makes what's, a, what's what don't we know? Like what? what we, so, so what? Here, here's a question because everything you just said so far, I followed all the stories so far on on what you what you covered. What don't we know? That's important to know. The flight log. Yep, I, I, I agree. We need to know what the flight log is on who went on there. You know, all of that stuff. I totally get right it. There. You know, with uh, uh, folks that have, yeah, I've seen this. But what I want to know is what, what do we need to find out next? And the information that we need to find out, are we really going to find out? Or, you know, the other day I saw Donald Trump Jr. post a picture saying, you know, uh, 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 Jelaine Maxwell, the day she was born, and then he said two weeks. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, she's not going to be here yeah. within the next two weeks. So Is she going to plead guilty the way that uh, Epstein did? That's right. So what's, what don't we know? Who's hiding? Does the government know what's going on? Are they holding back what's going on? Is there any of the... You hear the conspiracies about they're trying to hold back from people finding out because a lot of people would go down. What's really going on behind closed doors? So, uh, just just because it uh, so all right, conspiracy theories. Uh, yeah, you bet. There's some powerful people who are are starting to starting to sweat, 
and uh, to, to think that we have uh, equal access to the legal system in this country is, is, is just not true because if you have money, you have more access to the legal system. That's just the way that it works. Um, so anybody who, uh, anybody who has a lot of money who might potentially have something to, to be concerned about has the ability to get in front of that. Um, so like, let, let's not kid ourselves into thinking that they don't. Um, what is the DOJ going to do about that? I don't know. What we need and what we don't have, or at least what I have not seen publicly, the GO DOJ might have this, um, is we need a full financial audit back to the beginning of time of Epstein's accounts. That's what we need. Where did the money come from? Right, because I think you're going to see a decent amount of outflow. That's that's what I want to know. But there I think, you go. I think most of your outflow is yeah. going to be jet fuel, right? It's going to be rent. It's going to be those types right. of things. Sure. I think most of your inflow, like yeah. that's what I'm interested in, is where did that money come from? You who, make a great who, point. Who and the point about power. Who? You were talking about power, and it's basically was a were these nefarious sexual encounters really the equivalent of ex Epstein? making bones, as the mafia would say, yeah. on other people. Right. And that became his labyrinth source of power. Because right. it all goes like this. And so mm -hmm. now he's got control. And I agree with you. It's like, where did the money come from? What was the money actually used for? <clears throat> you know, really used for? Because the obvious outflows are going to be, you know, service maintenance, jet mm -hmm. fuel, all the things for all these locations. Okay, well, what was going on? Well, and look at, I mean, right there, uh, line nine on the, uh, on the flight log, right? Bill Clinton plus four Secret Service, two males, one female, and then a bunch of initials. GMSKAP. Yeah. So, but, but there's your point. Like, all right, so what, what was happening there? But then go, go up um, to uh, flight number 51 and uh, Cindy Lopper. Yeah, uh, I go, saw that. Go Cindy down Lopper. the next one, yeah. right? Yeah, so, I like, it, it, and that's where I think we need no, to no, be. No, no, no. You were on the, go, well, go back on the same page you were at line one. Yeah, that's just, where we need to be a little bit careful. No, 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 on down, the first down, page you were on. Right there, there boom. Go. Control, zoom. 51, Cindy Lauper. And, uh, or, yeah, Cindy Lauper. And then above that, Cindy Lopez. Or maybe that was Cindy Lopez. And what do uh, they do? They go anyway. back and they find the initials and they identify who that person likely is and they start questioning those people. Is that so how it works? I, I don't know what the DOJ is doing. Just because just because your name is on here doesn't mean you committed a crime. Right. Right? But it's a, it's a decent indicator that... that that you're running in the circle. That deserves some questions. Yeah. Um, and and my, my point here on all of this is there's some really good reasons why some of this stuff was sealed. Uh, and we just I just talked about this on the Clear Hot podcast with uh, with Kara Smith. The the reason one of one of the victims is a very, very well known Hollywood actress. Very well known. I mean, if we were to say her name, um, Kara knows who she is. If we were to say her name or if she was to have to show her face, everybody would know who she is. Why can't you say her name? Um, because right now she is no one. It's not my place. It's none of my business. Mm -hmm. Two, she is a victim of a crime. Sure. But and, why, but, and she hold on. Okay. She was she was she was raped as a child. Jesus. Right. And, yeah. and one of the most prolific cases in, in, in history, definitely one that was covered by the media the most. So right now she is known as a hardworking um, uh, master of her craft, right? If her name gets released publicly, she's now that girl who was raped by Epstein. Mm -hmm. which, which label do you want to wear for the rest of your life? Is she a big, big name today? Big name. So she's still active working right now? Yes. Okay. And, that, and I respect you for not saying her and name. Who and knows who, who knows who she is? A, a number of people. Okay. A number Got of it. people who, who work in this space. And, and this, is, this is what's really important for us to keep in mind. 
we all want justice, right? Yeah. I mean, God built me for justice and to go after bad people. Uh, that that is that is why He made me and put me on this earth. And so, um, nobody nobody wants His justice more than I do. But it's not my justice to have. Hmm. It's the victim's justice. And so, every sing, if any of those folks on that flight log committed a crime, it requires a victim per the Constitution because that person has a right to face their accuser, uh-huh. which is super important. If that victim chooses not to have justice because they've moved on, right, maybe years and years of counseling, it might have taken them 20 years to get over that. And then we're, we're asking them to go into court and rip that open for us so we can have justice it's not not ours to have and and there's precedent that even though they're victims it still has an adverse effect on their career you look at the actresses that were involved in the nx ivm thing and and oh yeah the nexium you know the uh you know they were branded and and then you know that that none of them ever worked again some of them became culpable Mm. in the 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 cult-like you know atmosphere of it by recruiting after a while but they were yeah, you know, I, listen, man, I mean, one of the things, you know, being in entertainment that it's one of the scarier things about it, but this is like, I've met very, very few executive producers, anybody that was ever willing to like do a project, especially an independent project mm-hmm. that didn't have, that didn't get their money from like some sort of nefarious means, you know, and I got to be honest, I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to be the only human being in America, honest, if I was asked 10 years ago by Jeffrey Epstein to come down to his his island in the Bahamas and hang out with a bunch of supermodels and we'll talk about financing your movie, I'd have been on that flight log. 100% chance I'd have been on that flight log. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd like to think that when I saw what was going on there, I wouldn't go back a second or a third or a fourth time. But when you're in that industry... There are so few people willing to greenlight your projects. Mm -hmm. And you 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 talk to people that you don't know how they came about their money. Sure. Right. And then you have some guy who's willing to and and listen, there's there's going to be people in the comments right now talking about I'm a pedo or I'm whatever. And I'm not. But I'm telling you right now, anybody that's ever been to a bachelor party, mm-hmm. you'd have I believe you'd have gone to Epstein Island if you were if you were invited. Anybody that's ever been to a strip club would have gone to Epstein Island if they were invited. If somebody's going to fly you down in their private jet to an island to hang out with women. It's pretty tempting. Right. So, I mean, this idea, you know, one of the things I don't like about the way that this is covered is is how everybody's holier than now in the moment, but it's also like, dude, have you ever gone to a strip club and asked the CID when you were there? There's I've never big, seen there, anybody. There's a big difference, though. There's a big difference between uh, uh, going to that island and intentionally having an interest of wanting to be with minors that he has on the island. Those are, thousand percent. Those are two different. It's very mm-hmm. important for you to differentiate. thousand yeah. percent. So those are two different things. So if you're going with intent, yeah, you have issues. But if you're going saying, dude, I'm putting the sickest party together, come on by. We're exactly. Gonna have the, yeah, that's a different conversation yeah. that, that you're talking about. But again, there, there, we got There's but a big I think distinction that was between like, the two. Just kind of like his thing. Like I, I don't like Trump went with them. Clinton went with them. Were those guys banging chicks on his island? I'm willing to bet yes. Do I think they were women though? Yes. Like I don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't I'm not saying just because you want to go party and have a good time, we can bring the strip club example. Doesn't mean you like fourteen year old girl. I think that was just his weird it's thing. It's very very important to, to yeah. like differentiate that, especially because it, and I'm only taking this from the the Netflix documentary that I saw, which which seemed very biased to begin with. Anyway, they talked about Trump ninety times and Clinton once, right? So, <laughs> you know the you know but but the women were like. They were 17, and we were told to tell people that we were 22, and it's horrible what happened to these women. I don't want to try to make it out like it's not. 
Mm-hmm. But then I'm also, you know, I, I, I look at what's happening and, and, you know, Bad Baby turns 18 and makes mm-hmm. a trillion dollars off of her OnlyFans right. the day she turns 18. And, and everybody in the world, you know, we have some sort of weird kind of like fetishization with young women. When I was growing up, Britney Spears was 16. Oops, right. I did it again. I mean, like there's a weird fetishization with that almost jailbait kid, right? And you don't. We're not conditioned to like ask them. You go to this island. Ooh, yeah. Wouldn't it be like? I'd almost feel like. Seriously, I, I would almost feel like it was disrespecting my friend Jeffrey to ask the girls like, "Are you're you're 21?" So right? I joined like, the army. Yeah. I joined the army. Let me tell you what happened when I joined the army. Uh, 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 joined the army. Drill Sergeant Green. Our unit brings it brings us in, and says, "You go party in this town. Here's what's going to happen." You're going to meet a lot of girls. Girls are going to like guys in uniform. Just know this. But you're also a target. And you have to know that girls lie when it comes down to their age. You have to ID them. I'm like, what are you talking about you have to ID them? He says, you have to ID them mm-hmm. before they come in sure. to your place. And by the way, how old are you at this I'm point? I'm 18. He's 18. I'm 18 years it's old. It's perfect so, track. It's so a it's senior hooking up with a sophomore. Trap. So we're sitting there. One of our guys who had a house off uh, 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 off base, we all lived on base. So on base, you can't even do it because they can't even make it through the gate because they ID everybody when they come through the gate. But this Unless guy you're had, Antonio Brown. This That's guy had a place off, uh, off, uh, off base. So we go to the place, to his house. There's a bunch of people there. Next thing you know, in the middle of it, one of the guys starts IDing everybody. And one by one by one says, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave, if you can't show your ID. This guy was like the responsible guy. Everybody's got to get sure. out of here. So I, I think, again, there's a big difference with some people have the, uh, uh, the angle you took when you said, you know, oops, I did it again, 16 years old. You know, we put it out there. Who's that on? Is that on the media? Is that on you? No, I'm not is saying, that on marketing? Uh, all, is that on? All I'm saying that's is. That's on the record company all selling First it. of all, I want to be really clear. What happened there is a travesty. What happened on that island is, is is a nightmare. I'm just saying that when, to his point, Cindy Lauper gets on this list and everybody's like, well, Cindy Lauper is a pedo or Cindy Lauper is this or Cindy Lauper is that. Cindy Lauper might have been down there to talk about a project and now she's lumped in with all this stuff. It, it's very, very important. Like, I, you know, <laughs> basically what you're saying, G, just because I'm with you, yeah. 99% of the people on these flights were up to. Well, not, not the, bad. The point things. That's that's but it's why the one percent. That's why we need the forensic uh, accounting. That's right. Investigation because we don't know that. We. Well, that, that's I mean, the thing are, is, do you think my numbers are? No, I think no, you're off. No, I think you're what I numbers think, do you think it is? Ninety nine percent. No, I'm thinking most people aren't molesting children. That's what I'm guessing. I think no. if you. What's the number then? I think if you hang no. out with skunks, you start to stink. Um, and I think that there's a certain amount of, of, of personal responsibility. Like you, you have people in your life, right? Business partners that you know mm-hmm. are doing shady things. And so you distance yourself from them, right? You just, uh, Hey, sorry, I'm too busy. Can't answer the phone. Right. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you may not necessarily be turning them into mm-hmm. the freaking IRS, but, but you're distancing yourself. But from you're assuming them. they knew that's what he was doing. I, I, th- I think that. I think that y- over over decades and decades, you you start to you start to be able to see what's going on with people. Listen, here's quickly. what it comes down to. It's very simple. I mean, let's. Why don't you go investigate exactly where the money came from? That's what you got to do. Yeah, the guy's, not, the guy's, needs to go the to guy's not around anymore. Go follow the money. So yeah. the qu- the question then becomes the hesitancy of not wanting to follow the money. That's yeah. deeply concerning. That's the the guy who's is, hesitant though. Who's doing it though? Well, but look, here's, I, I, she's, gotta, she's the first trial in history. She's though? the first human trafficker that was convicted of trafficking to nobody. There was nobody else that was convicted. No, she she tra- she she was the trafficker to 
uh, to Epstein. So she. So that, that's how they're saying it—that it, yeah. he was the end game. So, that, I mean, yeah. So so uh, uh, eighteen USC fifteen ninety five says that if you are uh, essentially getting any type of economic value um, through. Uh, defrauding, forcing, or coercing somebody else to do something, right? Where you're the recipient of the economic value. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we talked about human trafficking, you know, pe- it, it, people don't know what that means. And th- let me give you a really easy way to think about Please. what human trafficking is. Uh, you you perform labor. You then get to keep the the proceeds of your labor, right? You you get remuneration for the services and labor that you provide. That you chose to do freely. Right. Well, yes, and, and the whole philosophical conversation around that, but but whether you're choosing to or not to, you are, you are keeping the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. Um, human trafficking is when you provide some, tor- some type of labor or service and somebody else is getting to keep the economic value, right? Now, the economic value does not have to necessarily mean cash. Right. We all know there's a whole lot of economic value to influence. Um, right. Uh, Pelosi. Um, <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, economic value to uh, narcotics, as an example, is part of the way that that uh, human trafficking work in this country. So if somebody's being um, forced, defrauded or coerced mm-hmm. into doing something for somebody else's economic benefit, you have human trafficking. And it doesn't matter what that thing is, what the service is, what the labor is. Uh, and that's, that's really the, por- the point that we focus on here. So um, we also got to keep in mind that, you know, we're saying, oh, well, the DOJ isn't doing things. Like, okay, well, let, let's hold up a little bit, right? It is very, very difficult to prosecute people in the United States of America. And that's actually a good thing, right? Yeah. Because we have constitutional rights and and the DOJ has, I believe, it's a, a like eighty six percent conviction rate. Um, part of that's because they don't take risks. Sure. The other part of that is because they they do their homework. And so, uh, who's to say that the DOJ isn't currently doing that? So, so well, Nick, we, hold on before you move on. The I, I don't think that the the vast majority of people don't think the DOJ is doing their job. I think that the DOJ is influenced about who to do their job with and on. Because 100%. this seems to be a, a prevailing issue with our elite class. I mean, going 100%. back to Bohemian Grove, for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know You know, if you believe in, in the adrenochrome myths and everything like that, but the there seems to be, there's so much smoke when it comes mm-hmm. to the, our, our elite political class being involved in some sort of human trafficking, Wayfair, whatever. We can get into all, all, all of the conspiracies. But there's so much smoke <clears throat> that it's almost impossible for there to be fire. And then when you're looking at what gets investigated and what doesn't, that's what people have the issues with. Mm-hmm. So that's why we exist at Deliver Fund. Um, so let me give you a good example. Uh, we have a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, right? You guys are sitting here in Florida. You yeah. know, Patrick probably has all three of those within reach right Yeah, that now. should be a store, not uh, an agency. Right. Um, we, have a, we have a drug enforcement agency. We've been, we've been fighting a war on drugs for, you know, 30 years. Drugs How, are winning. How's, how's that going? No. Uh, 90% of drugs are legal, right? I have a friend who's an ophthalmologist. He uses, uh, or I'm sorry, an eye surgeon, and he uses uh, cocaine to numb the retina of the eye before surgery, right? I mean, it's a legal drug. Yeah, we have an entire drug enforcement agency. He uses agency. cocaine to numb the yeah. eye. 
the wow. retina, the, the retina. eye. Yeah. Wow. Pharmaceutical, so, not independently yeah, ph- sourced. Pharmaceutical, like, yeah, he's not getting it off the street corner. <laughs> hey, Jenny, I got two uh, glaucomas this morning. Can you go down to the corner? <laughs> but uh, uses it in the eye. <laughs> yeah. You, most people use it in the nose. Like, I've right, never done right, cocaine. You I know. just, you know, wanted like the way you, it you smells. Heard, but... You heard from a friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the point here is that. Pharmaceutical, that, Adam. Pharmaceutical. Uh, 13th Amendment makes 100% of, uh, of slavery illegal. Who's got the issue? Who's got the ball on that issue? Right? Where's uh, our, social where's justice. Our, yeah, where's our counter human trafficking agency? It doesn't exist. And so we, we have this issue here where we, we start to look at like, well, is this a conspiracy or is it just a breakdown of the system? Is it just the fact that the constituency has not mandated that the politicians fund the fight against human trafficking? Nick, does it have to be an or or can it be an end? Uh, what do you mean? Does it have to be a conspiracy? Or there's a breakdown in the system, or can it be definitely these, these elites are involved? Definitely can and be, and that's an why end. there's a breakdown in the system. Absolutely, uh, definitely can be an end. And well, he brought up the Wayfair thing and the Adrenochrome thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? So Wayfair, not true, uh, never happened. Um, started in like a subthread of a subthread of Reddit, where most most of the things of the world start. Well, how do you then, know it's not true though? Like, why? Give us some some details. Uh, one, we traced it all the way back to um, it was a it was a pricing. Uh, algorithm issue, right? Like, as an example, my Coinbase account the other day said that my account was worth, like, $31 million. Nice. Right? Hey, thanks a lot, Coinbase, for that. uh, But did it it rename your account the name of a (laughs) girl who went missing six weeks ago? Um, And how uh, much was in your account, for the record? uh, not yeah, thirty-one sorry. million. <laughs> you, you must you must work for my ex-wife. Yeah. Um, not Let's see your little black book. Not buddy. thirty-one million. Okay. The the point is, um, yeah. So like you're we saying, actually, Wayfair was fake, though. Yeah, we actually placed orders. Um, like like anytime there's one of these conspiracy theories, um, we actually will go through and like actually go through the process. So you you like, eat cool. the planet pizza and everything. Let's like yeah. Let's let's figure out what's Wayfair, going on. Wayfair, child sex trafficking, fake. Totally fake. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome. Totally fake. Like that's explain to Gerard why I, mean, I don't know I don't have a vested interest. First of all, adrenochrome one hundred percent exists. All right, now yeah, you are one hundred percent exists. Explain this. Yeah. So when you drink it, what what do the digestive juices in your stomach do to it? I don't know. I've never Completely. taken adrenochrome. Yeah, right, Gerard. Obliterate it every never, weekend. I've never taken adrenochrome. Yeah, right, bro. Obliterate it. First of all, you're, you're not supposed to drink it. You're supposed to drop it into your. Yeah, exactly. Now yeah. you know. <laughs> no. That's guilty. Gerard, explain the, this, please. The, yeah, answer, so, the answer is your stomach is one of the most caustic environments on earth, and it takes care of that is stuff. Is that a fat joke, very, Tom? No, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> no, no. Boom, no, Tom's not, your, not your stomach. Tom, drop the mic. No, no. The typical human stomach is one of the most caustic environments on earth, if you know anything about it. What is caustic? And so anything that goes in your stomach gets broken down rather rapidly. Here's what's happening with conspiracy theories. The, the tr- human trafficking in America, right? Like, like on here, um, it says, you know, Pennsylvania is among the top human trafficking states in the country. They all are. Human trafficking is highly, highly transitory. Highly transitory. And because of COVID, a lot of human trafficking has actually shifted online. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that there has been such an explosion of OnlyFans? Mm -hmm. Right? Human traffickers are putting their girls, I mean, right? It's a business to them. They got to scale that business. You have an unlimited, uh, right? We'll we'll ask the PhD in the room. What happens when you have an absolutely unlimited supply? Because vulnerable people are the supply. Mm -hmm. And you have a limited demand. Because again, like not everybody is like trying to find, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. young, young children to have sex with or even look at. So you have a limited demand. So unlimited supply with a limited demand, 
you've got a price that's pretty much bottomed out in the market. And so human traffickers have to do business at scale. So them putting their their victims on OnlyFans, we have plenty of cases of this, that this is true, and this is this happens on about 42 different websites across the country, which we are all over, like Wet on Rice, by the way. Like yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they just can't avoid it. And us. number one website, uh, apparently, is Facebook for this kind of stuff. Well, it used, uh, to, well, be, it used to be Bedpage, so right? Like be, and then Bedpage, Backpage, backpage, backpage got yeah. like ta- And then they finally, the government took Backpage who, down. And right? who was the primary source of intelligence on the takedown of Backpage? Was that you? That was us. Nice. My actually, guy, Nick McKinley actually, uh, in the house. We actually moved into their headquarters afterwards because we build our empires on the skulls of our enemies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> did, they, did Backpage know what they were doing the whole time? They absolutely knew. Um, and not... And the way I know this is again, we've we've their, their we traced argument this was they were going to be Craigslist, right? They yeah. were like a Craigslist competitor. We traced this stuff out. We actually posted a job or not a job. We posted an ad for a 16 year old girl, and we've got this all on film on camera. Posted an ad for a 16 year old girl on Backpage.com, and it went live uh, minutes later with the age changed to 18. No, they be had, quiet. No, no. They actually automated that wow. piece. Uh, they were, that, I mean, that's how in depth they were. But that's also why they were charged with human trafficking. Wow. Why they all pled guilty, right? The only two left were are the owners. They're super old and really bad health, and so they're just riding it out. But the uh, um, the point here is that the major majority of human trafficking in the United States, right? We all want to look at the Epstein's, right? But let's break down the Epstein case. All that was was what happens every single day, probably within five miles of this building right here almost every major metropolitan area in the country and increasingly smaller towns, that that same playbook, that exact same playbook, not on that level, but the exact same playbook, right? You find somebody who's vulnerable, right? Young teenage girl, Mm -hmm. most vulnerable Mm -hmm. people in the world. You start manipulating them. You start pulling them away from their support network. And then they start getting them hooked on narcotics, and and then their their lives are their lives are ruined. So when we look at the standard model of human trafficking, people want to focus on the pizza gates, which isn't real. Again, we've got more human trafficking data than anybody on the planet. I mean, we literally have more human trafficking data than probably almost all governments combined. Wow. I mean, it's it's what we do, and we're really good at it. There's no patterns in any of that data that would suggest that any of that is even remotely real. Like not even not even the smallest little mm. signal. What people want to focus on is well, there's children being trafficked in the basement of a of, of a pizza parlor, mm-hmm. and then they go log onto their OnlyFans account, and they want to realize that they're the ones actually feeding money into the human trafficking system. They're the ones actually participating in it, right? They want to go get an what they think is an escort for a bachelor party. But that girl actually um, has a baby in Las Vegas that her human trafficker is holding on to. Damn. And if she doesn't bring in $1,000 a night, he hurts the baby. And so, of course, she says she wants to do this because she'll do anything to protect that child. That's a real case that, that we well, that we dealt okay. with. Okay, so, I mean, that what you just said there, though, I mean, it, isn't that the libertarian argument for legalizing sex work? So Because then it can be monitored and it can be regulated, and that's the whole Heidi, Heidi Fleiss argument. Yeah. People aren't going to stop having – you're not going to make a moral argument that, that's going to force people to stop having bachelor's. Well, it's like you said, the no. war on drugs. So, drugs is winning. Correct, yeah. No, so um, I don't think uh, I don't think that is uh, it's not a bad argument. The libertarian argument for legalization of prostitution it's not a bad argument. The problem is that the data just doesn't back it up. 
because every country that's ever legalized prostitution has seen a spike in human trafficking. Portugal and Amsterdam? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, among the biggest ones. The, mm. the last one, the last country that just did it was, uh, was Germany. And now they're actually trying to reverse the legalization of prostitution because they've had such an explosion in oh, human damn. trafficking. Correct. Well, right? You said that, you know, Pat brought up Pennsylvania and you're like, yeah. look, it's every state. It's transitory. Are there certain countries that's like, that's the sex trafficking capital of the world? No. Is it China? Is it India? Sh like, well, shocking it? it's not Nevada, right? I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Right. Like, Texas, right because it's at the border. You're saying Nevada, states in America. Yeah. It is, it is but Las is there Vegas. a country? It, uh, well, so let me give you, let me tell you how this works, right? So uh, where think, think of it like the drug market, where the drugs sold. They're sold in the wealthy school district, yeah. not in the poor school district, right? They're dealt out of the poor school district, sold mm. to the wealthy school district, because that's where the money is, yeah. Yeah. right? Follow it's the, the same, money again. It's the same reason people who rob banks. That, who that's is that where the Dutch, money is. The Dutch guy who was abducting girls in like Aruba and mm -hmm. selling them to Singapore? Otto von Bismarck yeah. or something. Yeah, and, and he'd still be getting away with it if, if yeah. that girl didn't die. Um, right. It's it's exports, in Bahamas. right? And so yeah. so for other countries, like I was just in Kiev, um, helping their law enforcement with uh, some of their human trafficking issues. Um, all the the human trafficking that's happening over there is primarily exported out to other countries, to wealthy Western European countries and 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 Americans, right? And actually, a lot of Chinese, increasingly. So when you start when you start looking at it through that lens, most of the most of the trafficking is happening there. Uh, people think about things like Cambodia and Vietnam and Thailand. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cultural trafficking that's happening there. So you actually have parents are trafficking their children. That happens a lot in the United States as well. So when you when you look at when you look at the trafficking piece, like it's so nuanced and it's so complicated. And there's so many arguments in there on like the libertarian side and then yeah. what it, what kind of trafficking are we talking about? Predominant form of trafficking in the world is is labor trafficking. Right? That's actually the predominant form, even here in the United States. Well, I mean, slavery has been pretty popular for a couple thousand yeah. years. Yeah. So we we tend to look at the we tend to we tend to focus on the the commercial sex side, but there's mm -hmm. labor trafficking, there's organ trafficking, um, babies being grown in uh, in a country I was just in um, specifically to harvest their organs. Uh, I mean, like, like really, really horrific stuff. Like that, those are the things that we need to be focused on, not the our children being sold in the. In this the this is your day to day life, seeing the absolute worst. This is of what humanity. we do. You live, all day, you live every in day. hell, ten hours, twelve hours a day, every day. How, how do you not go? Like how 16. do you not go crazy? Yeah, I'm like, how do you not lose your mind? Well, I mean, so th this is my first rodeo at this. I mean, my my entire career was you know counter narcotics and counter terrorism. So I mean, I've seen some pretty horrific stuff. Uh, I've got 30 uh, short tour combat deployments, um, and you freaking pick the pick the stand. I've <laughs> I've fought mm -hmm. there. Um, so this this is just I mean this is just the way that God made me, um, and 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 it's not me. I mean I'm I'm lucky enough that I get to be the point man on all of this, but I have a team that mm -hmm. is absolutely world class, and that's what we do at Deliver Fund. We go find the best and brightest. So let me ask you everything you just analysts. said. Everything you just said with Wi-Fair with PizzaGate that's not real. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 what what stories that you hear going viral is real? Like I know you're debunking one by one by one. What are some of the stories that we hear about? We say no, that is real. This is real. That is fake. Yeah, so there was one. There was one on your your uh, your call sheet here that had um, it was about a girl um, in Nova Scotia, or a mom in Nova Scotia, whose mother or whose daughter was was being groomed for human trafficking Page on seven. social media. Halifax is that what you're talking about? That's the one. Yeah, CBC um, News. 
I mean, but you also like see that on TikTok like every day. I mean, every it's single gross day. Gross on TikTok. There's these mothers taking videos of their like 14 year old daughters doing like these dances and stuff like that. It's I mean, dance moms. It's insane. So I mean, the, it's, that that's the real. So so think think yeah. about it this way. National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, very, very reputable source, incredible organization. Um, they found that in a five-year period, they had an 846% increase in suspected child trafficking cases. Why? And that's just children. That doesn't mean 20-year-old college girls or anything like that. Just children. It's the smartphone, right? Yeah. It's a broadband-connected microcomputer mm -hmm. that allows you to order a child to your hotel room the same way you can order a pizza and for about the same price. So, and, and why? That, that's always the question we've got to ask is why did that happen? Well, the reason why is because for the first time in history, a non-familial 40-year-old man who's 2,000 miles away from a 12-year-old girl who just said she's mad at her dad, which is every 12-year-old girl at some point, right. right? At the very moment of vulnerability, that man can start grooming that girl over a period, or in, and, in, and increasingly boys, over a period of, of days to months to sometimes years in order to bring her in. And then once, once he's got her in, and it's a numbers game for him. It's a you're, business. You're saying they're messaging the yeah, kid? Yeah, messaging hey, the kid. Hey, I, I saw yeah. that you just posted something. You're mad. I'm yeah. here for you, buddy. It's Whatever. Your dad, dad's trying to keep you from growing up, right? He just, you know, he just wants you to be his little girl. You're so, you're so pretty. Hey, give me a photo. Hey, give me a better photo. Hey, give me a better photo. Yeah, this is the part oh, of the hey, story that, where Chris Hansen normally walks. Around. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. that photo, that photo that you just that you just sent me. Yeah, I'm gonna actually post that on your on your uh, on your grade school Facebook page if you don't send me more photos, right? Oh. And that's called sextortion. And then, and then, which is actually a form of human trafficking. And then it just gets, you know, worse and worse and worse. Now I need you to meet me. And they know that they've got to talk to 10 girls. I mean, just make the math easy here, right? They got to talk to 10 girls to get five to communicate with them, to get three to agree to a meeting, to get one to actually show up. And that one who shows up. It's a freaking sales life, funnel. Yeah, exactly. it, it's an absolute sales funnel. Now look at it this way, too. And this is a this kind of brings <clears throat> it all back to what we were talking about before, which is really the commoditization of women. When I mean, we speak on this issue all over the world, and when we talk about uh, girls getting trafficked, people are like, "Oh yeah, man, that's that's really sad. That's really sad." We talk about boys getting trafficked, and people freaking are up in arms. They're like, "That's ab ab absolutely not. Where are they? We're going to be pedo hunters. We're going to really? go after these guys." Absolutely, you, it goes the other way. It goes the other way. So, so it's why so far fetched? Why like do people get so angry when they hear that boys are trafficked? but they just get sad when they hear that girls are trafficked, right? And that is a societal question. It's mm -hmm. because we are groomed, and we could talk about media and all that, from a very young age to commoditize women and girls. So when you hear about women and girls being, being sold, mm -hmm. you expect it. When you hear about it happening with boys. Very interesting. Very, yeah, well, very interesting, yeah. right? Very interesting what you, now, you know, listen, for me, this is a very, uh, 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 there's certain topics that my blood boils. Obviously, did you see the last Rambo? Did you guys watch yeah. the last Rambo? Yeah. Yeah. No. The whole thing no, with his niece when he oh, goes across the, the border. Was it Rambo? The greatest death I thought it was Rambo. Whole, you're talking about, yeah, Rambo. It was Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't see the last Rambo? No, no, it's I didn't know It's about was human one. trafficking. He, he, he okay. cuts the guy's Yeah. Let me tell you, it's amazing. a story about his niece being yeah. human trafficked in, in Mexico. 
And then look, when you get when you have a family, when you have uh, something happens when you have kids. Taken you, another movie. Taken Liam Neeson. I can't oh. watch those movies. I watch yeah. Liam Neeson. I want to you know it's it's it. it Produces a certain kind of energy. A certain set of skills. A certain set of skills. And my skills, if I find you, I will find you. And I find you. You know, that whole thing. Was, I yeah. will kill yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will kill you. But And then uh, Man on Fire becomes a, a, oh, follow, a follow documentary. Fire. Your movie. Man man we, I had these guys watch it one night when we put it Lego together. Yeah, but it upsets you, is what you're saying. It's very. Because you've got kids. Here's what's weird, though. Here's what's weird. So we can sit there and talk about. Vaccine, you'll have the conversation. We can sit there and talk about war, Afghanistan, conversation. We can sit and talk about a lot of different topics, and people will listen to it. This is one of those topics that's very uncomfortable mm -hmm. to listen yeah. to. So because it's uncomfortable to listen to, I wonder how much of media covers this. Because people don't want to hear this, don't want to listen to this, don't want to think. Yeah. That, but, there, but it needs to be talked about mm -hmm. because it's yeah. happening. Because yeah. once you're in it... You're, you 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 don't you don't know right. you're on the web like we're gonna post your picture on the school, how, how, what, what's your response to that? Yeah. Do you say let me go talk to my mommy and daddy, mommy? This guy just said he's gonna do this. What do I do? Do I talk to my friends? Do I uh, work? You're in you're in a web. What you makes it uncomfortable, it. Pat? Yeah. What makes it uncomfortable? You know, is what Nick said earlier. It's you have to come to terms with they're not the bad guy. I'm the guy going to the strip club. I'm the guy going to the bachelor party. I am enabling this and that's a very hard thing you know it's like you look you look into the darkness and, and the darkness looks back right so it's like but the thing is nick man we're not conditioned to view women as a commodity like the the woman is the the commodity on earth it it, it brings life mm -hmm. it's it is the number one thing in the world the female body keeps our species going it is the most precious thing on earth i mean there have been wars Fought over women. The almost movie all, Troy. Almost, I mean, there's, all of them. there's women, like right. everything that a man <laughs> has ever done on earth. Right. The reason that we sit in, in that traffic, the reason that we work is mm -hmm. to keep that woman happy. I like, live in a cardboard box. If I don't give a shit, dude, I want to live we, in a nice place. Exactly. Everything that we the, do the, is the, a, You is said a, something a, the other episode. You're like, I want to know what that chick right. looked like. Yeah. Who are we talking uh, about? That the was Trojan in, War in, in or whatever. In questions. They yes. asked who, who I'd want to have dinner but with. That's, I said, Helen yeah. Troy, I need to know what she looked like. Exactly. Two continents Can I ask you a question, a though? Because yeah. you brought up the commoditization of women and, and the outrage of boys mm -hmm. and you know the shock factor and the sadness with women. Let me, let me pose something for you. We hear a teacher, male teacher, molests his 15-year-old student. That's disgusting. It's fucking ridiculous. We hear the same female teacher has, has sex with a 15-year-old boy. <gasps> What's up, homie? Yeah, High you five. took that, that. What's up with that? So uh, I don't have the educational background to dissect that. <laughs> that was that. a very animated question. But, but what, what I, what but I can't you, say like if, is... If a 16-year-old boy bangs his teacher, you know that all the homies are like, what up, bro? Like, this, come is on. A, is this a personal question? No. Are you, like, <laughs> are you for recognition? Something you want to get off your chest? Uh, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, Go ahead, bro. There was a teacher when I was 16. I wish let I had answer, that story. Let but Let him answer. But we... Riff over. We have a... No. So all, all these different questions that we came down to, like these aren't problems I could solve. You know what problem I can solve mm. and we're really good at solving is going after the human trafficker. Because the common denominator in that whole equation is a human trafficker, right? You cannot have a human trafficking victim if you do not have a human trafficker. Mm. That's why we focus all of our time and tension and resources on 
on going after that human trafficker because I can't solve the commoditization of women issue, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a national conversation we have to have, and I'm going to get tons of heat for this, but um, you can also make an argument that, um, that women, in some sense, actually want to be commoditized, but by only, only by the right person, right? So, so like I can't, I can't solve that <laughs> problem. You're gonna have a great comedy bit right there. Uh, I, I can't, I can't solve that problem. But what I can solve is going after that human trafficker to make sure that when that vulnerable girl says that she is mad at her dad, there's nobody there to exploit that moment, uh, right? So, so again, you know, you look at the businesses that you yeah. build. It's all about, it's all about the problems you can solve and not focusing on those mm. and, and not getting distracted by the ones that you can't. I can't solve the, uh, I can't solve that stuff. And, and even yeah. if adrenochrome is real, let's say that, you know, people really are drinking the blood of children in their basement. One, we're going to see it in the data eventually, and we don't see it. Two, um, you're going to see at least some prosecutions, because is there corruption in law enforcement and in the judicial system? Absolutely. Mm. Are they all corrupt? No, they're not. And I think this whole Epstein case just, just proves that. So we, we, we're going to see it in the data eventually. We're going to see it in the prosecutions. What we are going to, uh, what, what, we, what we need to focus on primarily is what is actually happening at, at scale within the business of human trafficking. And that's that human trafficker exploiting a girl on social media, transferring her to another platform, and then getting her in that stable. And, and the reason that, that uh, you know, I say it, we can reduce human trafficking by 80% globally um, and why I think why why I think we can actually do that is because that eighty percent increase happened because of technology. So we take by taking that technology focus and actually using that weapon actually makes it easier to catch enemy, a bad guy. Way easier. Yeah. And and the the mm -hmm. Achilles heel of human tra of that what is actually happening in human trafficking is that uh, they have to advertise, right? Price is bottomed out. Yeah, they got to do business at scale, right? Which well, means they have to well, advertise at scale yes for no, low margin. Not anymore. I mean, now thanks to De Blasio, they can just walk around the streets in New York again, man, and you <laughs> right. know, do, like you know, do so, do door to door. But one one thing, real quick, Tom. I mean, you keep saying the human trafficker. You know, am I to understand that this is these are one offs? I had always thought that this was entire rings and that this was a syndicate, that this was gangs and no, it's it, it's a lot like terrorism these days, right? Terrorism is you know. Within Al Qaeda, in in ISIS, and these these different groups, it's uh, it's a top down hierarchy. But for the most part, it's just a loose affiliation of like minds, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you have the same thing within uh, within the human trafficking market. I mean, they will the, these human traffickers will coordinate. Um, if you go to uh, uh, the Instagram handle um, at Kara the Huntress, um, who's one of our senior targeting analysts, she actually breaks. She has a whole ser YouTube series called hunting with the huntress and she actually breaks down what these human traffickers are doing. Um, they, they share best practices. Um, they have conferences, um, where they get together and talk about how they're going to do different things and, and what's, what's the best practice for moving money. And we've infiltrated their groups and they talk to us like they think they're talking to other traffickers. I mean, it's, awesome, it's, uh, man. it's actually a lot of fun for us. That's uh, crazy. That's yeah. like, it's a business. It's a business. They do oh. it for money. It's not ideology. They do it for money. This is money. Oh. This so is money. Nick, I, have a, I have a question for you. Just a quick parting question here, right? So we have the 13th, and we have to decide whether we're going to defend according it or not, right? Maybe we're going to take it seriously. So in crisis is usually brought the good side of government, right? Mm. Jimmy Carter created the Department of Energy because of the oil embargo and the crisis that we faced. Um, George Bush, please, conspiracy theorists, don't hit us on this. 
George Bush created the Department of Homeland Security because mm -hmm. we discovered, you know, new enemies, new methods. If you look at this and you say technology has enabled this to become so bad, you know, maybe it's not a cabinet position or a government department. Um, but if the Dems are serious about the value of individuals, we have to, you know, help the poor and do all this. And the Republicans are serious on the conservative side about the preciousness of life ordained by God and abortion. Mm -hmm. If we're both in agreement on that, then we should both be saying, why don't we fund, whether it's a government agency or part of the FBI, to fight something that is now technology enabled and is running at speed and scale? What are your thoughts? Please not the FBI. Um, we need we need to regulate tech. We need to. Um, and there's not a single tech uh, CEO that has has said that there needs to be no regulation of tech. Right. I mean, we need to amend CDA 230. We need to regulate tech. Um, it is it is a there's actually a very good CDA book. CDA 230. If, if you can Section. say what. Oh, that is. sorry. Yeah, the Communications yeah. Decency Act Rule 230. Um, Electronic Frontier Foundation is going to mm -hmm. go after me for saying that. But we need to. I mean, the reality is we have a choice to make in this country. Do we want to continue to have an unregulated internet that allows the exploitation of children, or do we not? It is a binary choice, and we need to uh, we need to make that choice. Now, what is very, very important, and I say this as somebody who 17 years of federal service, do not let the government lead that effort. The, yeah, that, that's... The, the government should should canonize that effort, but the, mm -hmm. uh, the tech industries, the business <clears throat> leaders, should be the ones at the table wrestling over what what that regulation is and what they can and can't do um, let me give you a good example um, up until up until deliver fund created the software platform it was virtually impossible for a bank to find human trafficking within their within within the bank um, we created a technology platform that allows banks to find those human traffickers at scale uh, in an automated fashion so now we can use FinCEN and the anti-money laundering laws to start to start shutting down human trafficking. So, so we need to regulate tech. We need to enforce the laws that we have on the books. We don't need another government agency. Please no. Um, what we need is the business community, right? I mean, commerce is what drives this country. Business is what made this country what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Why we are more successful than any, for the lack of a better term, empire than the world has ever seen. Um, in, in, a, in a shorter time than anybody's ever seen, it's because of commerce and business and, and our liberty. And so we need to use our liberty as the business community to fight human trafficking and take responsibility for human traffickers using our platforms. That's what gets to the bottom of it, and that's what, that's what ultimately ends it. And as long as the government provides those businesses with safe harbor, saying, if you do these things, we're not going to hold you accountable for human trafficking that happens on your platform, that, that, that solves the problem. I, I want to I ask you one other question since we have some time here with you and we have you here uh, in regards to Iran. This is a different story, but oh, we yeah. talked about it before. <laughs> Top Iranian general, revenge for Soleimani death to happen within U.S. No one will forget what we do. And that's Iran saying it. No one will forget what we do. This is a Daily Wire story. Iran, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, the IRGC, Brigadier General Esmali Ghani, uh, commander of Iran elite uh, Quds uh, force, threatened last week that the revenge Iran will seek for death of Hossein uh, Ghassam Soleimani, the former commander of the IRGC Quds, will happen within the United States. He said, we will prepare grounds for the hard revenge against the U.S. from within their homes as we do, need, do not need to be present 
As supervisors everywhere, wherever is necessary, we take revenge against Americans by the help of people on their side. What a thing to say right there. By the help of people on their side mm-hmm. and within their homes without our presence. I'm going to read that one more time because it's too powerful of a statement that he made. We will prepare ground for the hard revenge against the U.S. from within their homes as we do not need to be present as supervisors everywhere. Wherever is necessary, we take revenge against Americans by the help of the people on their side and within their homes without our presence. Talking, talking about former President Donald Trump and former Secretary State Mike Pompeo, who advocated for the strike behind the scenes, Ghani said all of the criminals who are on the scene from the U.S. criminal, from the criminal U.S. president to all those behind the crime of assassination of Soleimani are under our magnifying glass. Do you think this is just talk or do you think they're actually going to do something? I think the Iranians are uh, an, uh, an incredibly intelligent people. They definitely play the long game, and they mean what they say. Um, the, the, the assassination of Soleimani, um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that because like, that was a bad dude. He was on a lot of target decks. Um, but cooler heads always said, let's not, let's not do this. It's important to understand who Soleimani is. right? Americans don't, don't get it. Um, Soleimani was essentially the equivalent of the director of the CIA and the Secretary of Defense and the National Security Advisor all wrapped into one person. Yeah, he was. He could have potentially ended up being the leader of Iran. Was that there, was one of the like guys that was on the... He was there, J. Edgar Hoover, is that the... He was the shot caller, right? I mean... More it, than that. He, he, had, he had more power yeah. than the president of Iran, right? He reported He was J. Edgar directly, Hoover and Ike combined. Yeah. Like, try, think about it that way. Those two personalities combined. Yeah. So, so is he a bad guy who is causing us a lot of problems? Absolutely. And is he is personally responsible for the death of many, many U.S. soldiers. But it is very hard to, uh, to overstate the – in fact, you can't overstate the importance of that one event and the ripple effects and the repercussions. Now, this is where our short-term system actually causes us problems because if you were going to have – if you were always going to have a president – that was willing to commit an assassination at that level in office, freaking brilliant move. Um, the problem is mm-hmm. that every four years, There's you a guy potentially have a guy yeah. who wants to talk to killers. Um, right, and there's only one language a guy like Suleimani understands, and there's only one language that the Ayatollahs respect. Um, and and you can look at this on the on the geopolitical scale, like what happens, right? When when certain people are in office, what does Putin do? Mm-hmm. When other people are in office, what does Putin do? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, these these are these are smart leaders, and you got to keep in mind in that part of the world, you lose an election, you don't go on your speaking tour, potentially <laughs> run for run for Senate, right? You get a bullet yeah. in the back of the head. So this is survival for these people. Um, so, so your best and brightest in often cases really do rise to the top. And more importantly, if you rose to the top like Suleimani did, that means not only do you know where the bodies are buried, you've still got the shovel. Yeah. So you, you, those, are, those are very, very bright people. Um, and we need, to, we need to keep that in mind. And it's very important for the American populace and listeners to understand that like these, these are not these are not dirt farmers in Afghanistan. These are very, very, very smart people who um, who think generationally and know how to hold a grudge. But, but but to do that, but to but to really get back at holding the grudge. So 
We talked about this a year and a half ago. I don't know if you remember this. We talked about a year ago when, pre- when Trump was president. We mm-hmm. talked about this conversation. When it happened, we talked about this. Yeah, exactly. Almost 100%. a year and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, I pretty much we said the same thing about where Iran's at. They're not going to forget. forget. I remember you, no. you were very adamant about they're that. They're not going to forget. No. They are not going to forget. And they're going to time it. Uh, if they're going to do something, today's it would be the season to do it because the current administration is not going to necessarily want to do anything and retaliate. However, knowing if they really do want to get back at Pompeo and Trump, you know, say 2024 comes around and Trump and Pompeo get back in and then they're president, would they do it now? Would they do it then? Because revenge you got to do when the other person is alive. You can't do when the other guy's gone. Or would they sit there and say, you know what, we're going to wait because we know if we do something while Trump is around, he's going to retaliate. Yeah, target Trump, rich, target Trump rich said, environment if right you now, man. even think about it, because you know the yeah. retaliation was they, they bombed somewhere that was a distance. They yep. said, yeah, we retaliated, but they didn't do nothing. It was yeah. just to kind of a... I'll F you up. They, yeah. they, shot, they shot down a Ukrainian airliner days later. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Ukraine has been a pivot point in the war between um, uh, the Soviets and and Iran and the U.S. and Israel for the last 30 years. Yeah. So, you know, they were like, oh, well, we accidentally shot down the the, the Ukrainian airliner. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you, you accidentally shot it down with an anti-aircraft missile, but you, you were cleaning it and you didn't know it was right. loaded and it yeah. went off. Were you, yeah. were you Alec Baldwin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got I, 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 oh. three things on that, Pat, three things. We were filming something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One... Uh, <laughs> One is, man, what a sad state of affairs that we're actually have to sit here and be like, oh, as Americans, like, oh, what if, what if Iran got mad at us? What, what if? That's great. Like, point. that's what a, what a sad state of affairs. Do something, bitch. We're the United States of America. I beg you. I dare you. Please. Please do it. Watch what happens. Let's do it in three years. That's, that's, that should be our mentality. Yeah. As a nation, that should be our mentality. Be like, I wish a mother sucker would. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's like, oh, God, my God. What a, we've fallen so far so fast. We, as, a, as a nation, as a people, we've fallen so far so fast that you're right that that's the general thought right now. That's a bad thing. Two, you talked about the human traffickers. They have this, you know, they, they treat it as a business. They have this loose coalition. How tight are the, the autocrats of, of the Middle East and the East? How, are, are Putin, Xi, the Ayatollah, are, are they in communication with one another? Are they coordinating against the West, do you think, or no? That's in me. Yeah, hundred percent. In fact, I think the uh, the Xi Putin relationship is is probably the most underreported uh, geopolitical problem that we have right now. Uh, I mean, it's it, you know, it's it. You, you think it's coincidence that China is rattling a saber at Taiwan, at Taiwan and uh, you know Russia's on the border of of Ukraine simultaneously? Crimea, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's not. And, that, and by, by the way, Putin's playing hardball right now. I mean, you've you've seen oh, him on yeah. media recently. What he's been saying. What's his, just, yeah. what's his incentive not to? Yeah, he's flat out came. Out. Matter of fact, let me read the story since you're bringing him up, and then I'll uh, uh, turn it to you, Gerard. Is uh, Russia's pushing Finland and Sweden toward NATO? Um, this is a Bloomberg story. Last month, the Russian Foreign Ministry made comments about Finland and Sweden indicating displeasure with the idea of either joining the alliance. But this approach may well uh, have backfired on the Russians and increased the desire of both. Nordic nations to seriously consider membership. It represents an opportunity for NATO, given the character, geography, and military capability of the two countries. Technologically, both nations operate high-end combat equipment, notably the Swedish Air Force, which flies locally produced Saab Gripen strike fighters. They, uh, these were used to uh, 
excellent military effect in the combat operations in Libya in 2011. Under my command, Finland just ordered 64 Lockheed Martin F-35 fighters, the most advanced combat aircraft in the world. And then I'll read the story yeah, prior exactly to that, before that, which goes with it about Blinken. This is a real clear politics story. If Russia attacks Ukraine, NATO will reinforce the Baltic states and Poland. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said that negotiation with Russia over Ukraine continue and warned if Russia commits renewed aggression against Ukraine, I think it's a very fair prospect that NATO will reinforce its uh, positions along the eastern flank, the countries that uh, border Russia, Poland and the Baltic Republics of Lithuania, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia are the only members of NATO directly bordering Russia. How we got here is because Russia's committed repeated acts of aggression against its neighbors going back more than a decade, Georgia, Moldova, and Ukraine in 2014. And now the prospect of doing that again, Blinken said. Do you think Russia or Putin listens to Blinken and says, oh, my gosh, that just scared me? Do you think that's what Putin says when he hears Blinken speak? <laughs> I don't think so, no. I mean, I think, I think uh, words are useless and your actions are the only thing that matter. And they look at Afghanistan and they go, Really? We, we've, we've heard you talk before, Blinken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't think so. Again, you just look at what look at what they do during one administration versus the next. Yeah, right? I mean, I think you, you focus on what people do what they, uh, as opposed to what they say. Uh, lots, of, lots, of, lots of talk. I'm never concerned about what I see Russia doing. I'm always concerned about what I don't see them doing, um, why they're creating a distraction in one place, and what are they doing somewhere else. Uh, Grand, I mean, they produce some of the greatest chess players in the world. Yeah. Thinking, thinking through the you strategy like long term. Proxy, 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 nonstop. Well, that, that was my third, all his game. Uh-huh. That was my third question. Because that's what he did with Armenia and Azerbaijan. It's a mm-hmm. nonstop proxy. Look what just yeah. happened with uh, Kazakhstan. Yeah. I mean, very interesting. The underreported color revolution in Kazakhstan. Like they overthrew their entire their entire government overnight. They they arrested them. But there's something that that was reported that was denied immediately before anybody knew it was reported, which made it very very suspect about the uh, the the bioweapons load that apparently Russia had stolen bioweapons from an American facility in Kazakhstan, and it was denied before it was reported, which was very 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 strange. It came out in the Daily Mail. It was never even reported in America. So you know, like you talk talk about these proxy wars and and you know these coordinated. You know, efforts by these autocrats, and you say, "Man, we're running out of proxies. We're we're running out of these border countries to have these color revolutions, and like eventually, the borders are going to meet each other, and you're not going to be able to push anymore." I mean, look, America is in a color color revolution right now. You can disagree about it, call it a conspiracy all you want. Look at the definition of a color revolution. You think anything that happened over the last three years came from inside our borders, or do you think there were people inside our borders that were working with international factions? We talk about this all the time. How higher up? How higher up? I mean, I, I, as high I, as it goes, you have global interest versus local interest now, Pat. I think we're, you know, we're, we've talked about this at length. We don't have a lot of time to go into it, unfortunately. But you have, you have people in our country who are not elected officials, and I think that this is what's happened to our our government. Why we're so vulnerable right now? Like you were saying, is because look, whatever the administration was, we always had the Senate. We always had Congress. Right. We always they they always had their constituents in mind. They for lack of a better term, they were the voice of the people. And then, you know, whoever our leader was, right, left, whatever, it was it was a small variance. Not a lot of difference. It really when you think about it, not a ton of difference between Reagan, Bush one, Clinton, not a ton of difference. A little bit here, a little bit there, little spending this way, little spending that way, but but mostly the same type of person. 
politically anyway, right? 40-yard lines. 40-yard lines. Perfect example, right? Mm -hmm. Now we have these massive swings entire party-wide. You have a Senate that's un that, that can't function unless it has a clear majority, right? So now everything is a, is a national and a global issue. There is no local issues anymore. And our leaders who are elected by us are not beholden to us. They're beholden to global interests. There's nothing that nobody can convince me differently. And it's not just Nancy Pelosi. Mitch McConnell the same way. They're more interested in what China and the EU and the UN have to say than they are their district in San Francisco or Virginia. And you can't convince me otherwise. And that's a major problem. That's a huge issue. How high up, though? How high up? You think, you think uh, uh, even presidents... Uh, are playing on other, uh, you know, d d different interests where they're worried about other the big guy getting deals in the Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, look it, it, again. This goes and back 15 to fifteen points for the big guy. Fifteen points yeah, for the big guy. But but this this right here, man. This, first, first of all, one thing about Putin. So Putin, this is not a guy that when he threatens, he's just threatening. You go to a bar, a guy says, "If you do that again, I'm going to punch you in the face." Nine out of ten times, it's what the Talk. guy's just talking shit. Just talking. Mm -hmm. One out of ten times, it's Putin. Yeah, he's, he's not gonna. He's not even gonna tell you. He's just gonna punch you in the face. Well, he's not right? the guy that punches anyone. Yeah, he exactly. his finger well, but the point is, yeah, so like that's somehow your drink gets poisoned. Exactly. exactly. That's that's he's look at Navalny on a flight. Ra radiated yeah. salad. You know, he's I, gonna I, give you the polonium hairspray as he walks past you. Wh what is dying a hospital? So, so look. Let's end on on a message. I hope though, Pat. Man, I'm like, all right. So what? Who, By the way, we just got we just got word. We got a few more minutes because I got to go to the airport at eleven thirty. So we got time. Oh, Keep cool. Going. Yeah. So, who is the you working? for america like you're you're doing god's work working for you know the most vulnerable amongst us tom made a great point before you know in in my limited government worldview government i'm not an anarchist government has a place mm -hmm. it's to protect the most vulnerable amongst us and if our government with nine trillion dollars at its disposal over the last three years can't protect or is unwilling to protect the most vulnerable why should it exist if it, if it if it doesn't function at the at its baseline of upholding the Constitution of the United States and protecting the most vulnerable among us, why should it exist? And why should we be giving them any more money? God, God, AOC, I know you're sick. I hope this doesn't upset you while you're sick and watching. But why should we give these people even a dollar more if they can't even do that now? And what if they're not doing that? If they're not looking out for American citizens, and if they're not looking out for the most vulnerable among us, if it falls on on, on private sector to do it then what are they doing with the money? Oh, I can tell you what they're doing with the money, but I'd probably get myself in a lot of trouble. They're spending a lot of it on defense. They're spending a lot of it on Social Security. So spending we, a lot on Medicare, a lot on Medicaid. Spend, what does that even mean? Hang spend, on, hang on. I know where he's going. We Go. spend less than 4% of the GDP on, on defense. Well, we actually need to. We actually need to increase that number. To, well, what percentage is Social Security, Medicare, that, Medicaid? That's where we. That's get where ninety percent of it goes. Liabilities, bro. but it's, I think he's also going to go. It's the I, entitlements. Like, correct. It's the entitlements and the waste. Here, here's a great example. Um, we, yeah, Afghanistan's a black eye on, on our country. I think pretty much everybody agrees with that, regardless of where you are, where you are politically. Um, the exit. That, that falls, the, you're saying the the, the sloppy exit. Never been no, the, the, the sloppy the sloppy execution starting yeah. at Reagan. I mean, you look at the whole history of it, goes all the way back to Reagan. Charlie um, Wilson's war. Back to Charlie Wilson's Great. war. I mean, it, it, it everyone's got culpability in it. Um, we who, freed the people, but we effed up the end game. Who, who lost their job over that? 
where's the accountability, right? You were working for Pat. Pat would Pat would have sent you packing. He would help you go, you know, excel elsewhere. But it's not going to be in one of his companies if you if you screw mm-hmm. up that bad, is my guess, right? Um, because there's accountability. Where is the accountability? Right. You look at the way this that this is the uh, ARC thing. You well, say Nick, accountability. This is uh, you, responsibility. You, this system's failing because it's supposed to be us. And there's my point. Um, so the the Russians have the Internet Research, uh, the IRA, the Internet Research Agency, right? Just basically a huge troll farm. So they, uh, you know, how are they going to hit us? Uh, I think was your question a while ago. They're going to use our liberties against us. They're just going to feed the right people, get them into the right echo chamber. And then radicalize them. It's called college because that's what they do. (laughs) Yeah, right. The Russians, the Russians, and the communists talk about taking over academia. uh, Academia. I mean, there's plenty of YouTube videos about this from Communist Party, uh, um, Communist Party meetings. And so when when we look at this, I would actually say we we as the people are the us. So you want a deliver fund doing counter human trafficking work. You don't want the government doing counter-human trafficking work for this very reason, Mm -hmm. right? You want them arresting people because no private citizen should have the ability to restrict the liberty of another private citizen. That's what you need the government for. Mm -hmm. But where does that actual work come from? Monopoly on violence. We talk about the the, uh, military-industrial complex. Guess what? If you – there's a reason Russia doesn't have F-35s. Because they don't have a, a Dyncor or Northrop Grumman um, that has a, a capitalist incentive in order to make a better and better weapon. So we need those things. Um, but at the same time, we as a people need to, need to keep that in check and say, all right, let's regulate tech so that we can keep these foreign actors out. Nobody, nobody wants that more than, than the tech companies. Let's incentivize them to make sure that they have safe harbor and they have a reason a business case to to regulate themselves, right? To self-regulate the same way that banks do with anti-money laundering laws, right? Um, you you look at the way that we the banking system, I think, is actually the best one, right? With the banking system and the way that anti-money laundering laws work, is a really really good model for um, for countering uh, for for countering foreign actors. Let, let right? me let me give you some pushback on that though, because tech isn't. They, again, they, tech, even though they may be American companies, they're very clearly, Alphabet in particular, very, very clearly beholden to foreign interests. But that's why we need to regulate them because Dyncorp... But, but who's, who's regulating them? So one, you said the government shouldn't regulate them, which I agree, but then when they self-regulate, look at what they're doing no, now. The gover- the they government- demonetize, they've demonetized people who have been proven to tell the truth, mm-hmm. me among them. Mm-hmm. They've taken down pages. They've taken down posts. Patches had an interview that was taken down. I know. I For what? That. For what reason? But that, so that's that's they're regulating right now. They're self-regulating right now, but that's not they're no, I censoring. Say, I say the government government needs to regulate them. We and and by the government, I mean we, the people, need to regulate them by telling our politicians what regulations Nick, we that, want. I mean, I, I hate to make a slippery slope argument, but I mean, I just read uh, Tyler. See if you can pull it up. There's a guy who's been number two of the FBI for uh, 16 years, and mm-hmm. he said that you know conservatives should be put in re-education camps. That there needs to be surveillance on anybody who's donated to a right-wing candidate in America. This is the number two sure. at and, the FBI. And at the That's same, who's going to regulate. And at the same time, do you know where the two-percenter community came from on the far right? Came from military predominantly within the special operations community. So, so we got to keep in mind that, that within the government, there is a – the government – the people who work in the government are of the people. 
right? So with it, yes within, no. within a military... But I mean, you would know better, but yes and no. I, I, 99% of the people working in the CIA are, are Ivy Leaguers now. That's not is that, true. That, is that, that of the is, people? No, that that's, is not, that's even, not true. That is not true at all. Um, most of the people... That, that was the case in the 50s. Um, most of the people at the CIA want you to believe they're an Ivy Leaguer, and I say this as an Ivy Leaguer who worked at the CIA. Um, we, I'm like, I was a very conservative guy. I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a Christian conservative guy. Um, pretty, pretty easy to figure out where I, where I stand politically, and and yet I was uh, country chief uh, for a, a Connecticut unit um, with within the CIA within within a classified unit so mm-hmm. uh point is like how did I raise to such a such a high level so quick um the political ideology and a lot of the conspiracy theories that you that you hear about that internally like just doesn't get taken into into account um I know folks at the FBI who are are um, we're about as far right as you can get. I also know folks who are about as far left as you I, can get. I don't, I don't want Same guys thing. to be right or left, Nick. I'm just saying, what was the last president we had didn't go to an Ivy League school? What was the last vice president we had didn't go to an Ivy League school? What was the last secretary that, of state we had didn't but, go to an Ivy League school? But that's that's a whole other conversation because the at the end of the day... It's just people, not of the people, though. But the people who make the government run are of the people. I mean, they very much are. The, the, the soldiers on the ground in Afghanistan yeah. are not conservative. You would actually find the major majority of your soldiers on the ground, especially within the conventional rakes, are actually you would probably consider them pretty liberal. I would imagine so because they come. Most of them are going to come from economically, uh, economically that's, challenged areas. That's that's not true. That is, is it not, not true? true? No, that is not true. That is a total myth. Um, in fact, when you look at when you look at the the military writ large, and I don't know if this was your experience, it's it's uh, it's predominantly middle class. It's predominantly middle class. What would you describe as middle class? How wide of a of a of a berth are you giving that? Uh, I mean, I would say, you know, dad is usually blue collar making somewhere. I mean, in my day, so that was the nineties, you know, 50 to a hundred a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause if you're making a hundred K in Iowa, you're crushing it. You're making a hundred K in Jersey. You're barely good. Right. But about 80%, 80% of the military is, or I'm sorry, most of the military actually comes from rural America and rural America is about 80% of the population of, or, or at least the land, the land area. Of you're America. saying it's not the bottom 20% it's it's the not top bottom 20%, 20%. It's middle no, class. Not Got it. Not at all. Um, a lot of, lot of college educated. A lot of college educated um, mm. people who, and, and the reason this is an important part of the conversation is there's this myth uh, that people join the military because they have no other option. I had tons of options. I had an appointment to the Air Force Academy, and I chose to be an enlisted guy because that's the job I wanted to do. I wanted to give back, and I wanted to serve, right? Pat had plenty of options, right? But you I chose. didn't have a lot of options. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. I, I had a one-point GPA in high school, so I'm more from the story that he's I was low-income. Uh, welfare baby that I joined the military, but when I was in, uh, and I'm thinking about it, it was a lot of middle income families that joined. It was middle and low. I can't give you a lot of uh, 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 folks who were from you know great families, and if they were not great families, money making families, and mm-hmm. if they were, they went straight into uh, being officers. It wasn't enlisted. Well, For you to become an enlisted, you made a choice. Guys, guys like you would have never been enlisted. A lot of guys like you, when I remember that, they went straight to becoming, you know, uh, second lieutenants day one, first lieutenants, captain. That's the route they, they took, at least when I was at that unit. I think a lot of the, and I, I ran into this at the CIA too, there were a lot of folks from very wealthy families who were very quiet about the fact that they were from very wealthy families, right? And they, they I think really... there's a minority group there. I don't disagree that that's, mm-hmm. that is a minority. I don't know if that's a majority. What, what, what I will say about what Gerard is saying right now, so... 
Everybody wants some sort of accountability with uh, these social media companies. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the human trafficking earlier. Somebody just sent an email right now saying it wasn't Cindy Lauper. It was Cindy Lopez. Cindy Lopez was an, uh, was an underage model. Uh, oh, this was just sent by uh, somebody named Yessi. So it was an underage model. But, but But go, going back to it, there, the control is what becomes a worry. Like the other day I sent a message out saying, so there's one thing that's constant in the last two elections. So Trump was president. The worst day for cases, COVID cases, was 300,000 COVID cases in a day, and that was under Trump, okay? And I think it was like January 8 or January 6, some day like that, that we had 300,000 COVID cases in a day. Now it's Biden. In the last week, the average for the last week is 713 cases per day. We had a day with 1,018,000 cases in the last seven days. So that's Trump, that's Biden. Trump got impeached. The only thing that's been constant between Trump and Biden is who? Only one name that's been constant. It's Fauci. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not about firing Trump. It's not about firing Biden. It's Mm -hmm. you got to fire Fauci, the NIH director. And then somebody commented back and said something very interesting. I said, you know... We need somebody that's younger, more energetic to do this. And somebody said, I don't think this is the job of one person. I think we need a committee. I think we need some people that are on one side and some people that are on the other side that are debating each other. And they're kind of coming out and saying, here's what we agreed on. It's like almost a vote. Mm -hmm. You know how we have a, a... uh, uh, four seven, you know, four yeah. three. Your vote of a exactly. And I totally agree. I said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Just like we have a Supreme Court, I, I think what the COVID situation taught us is we can't have one guy making decisions. Right. It is catastrophic for Correct. this one guy. But if we got a 4-3, and just like you're nominating people into Supreme Court, you're nominating people into this NIH, whatever mm-hmm. court that we're having, let them have the banter and debate. Mm-hmm. But this, this is where I agree kind of with what Gerard is saying. Okay, so you said the DOJ has an 82% uh, 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 conviction. Well, conviction like 86%, 86% yeah. that they're going after. And then somebody said the reason why DOJ does it is because it's the DOJ that's involved in a lot of different things that they're doing. Okay, fine. That's a conspiracy coming out. Let's just say there's some credibility behind mm-hmm. that being said. Who the hell do you trust to hold people accountable? You know, if this guy from PBS that just got fired or this... You know, FBI agent number two, Andrew McCabe, calls for feds to treat mainstream conservatives like Democrat terrorists. If domestic guy, terror. Domestic terror. If a guy like this is making comments like this, and he's at the FBI, he's Democrat. Mm-hmm. and he's at the FBI, and he wants to silence people like a Malone or a Peter McCall or, or Rogan. Yeah, Pat, or he's any, not just at the FBI. That's the number two. I, I no, heard. this guy's got a major I, bone to I, pick with Trump, though. You remember what mm-hmm, happened with him mm-hmm. and Trump, right? Trump fired him like two days before he was going to... Basically, be retired. It doesn't matter. I disgraced honor. You know, I agree with accountability, but I also agree with who the hell is holding who accountable. Because the wrong person holding somebody accountable, things get worse. Look what happened on Twitter. Jack Dorsey's the guy that's running Twitter, right? The day they switch on yeah. who's running Twitter CEO, all of a sudden, all Malone got kicked off Twitter yeah. because the new CEO, not the old CEO, he was saying the same thing when Dorsey sometimes was around. The devil you know, yeah. So sometimes the person holding people accountable, you're excited about it, but a lot of people right now, all the people that hated Dorsey, guess what a lot of people are saying right now? Can we kind of get this <laughs> Dorsey guy back? You know what I'm saying? We miss him on Twitter. So, so here, who holds the people accountable is the, is the question. You do. And you are. Here's, here's my point. And this is why this is why I'm excited, and this is why I think that you know people talk about podcasts and like everyone's doing one now. Well, okay, that's true, but some of them are really important. Look at the audience you have. 
you're probably reaching more people than CNN will today. Well, look at what Joe the, Rogan. Rogan exactly. Joe Rogan by himself, probably by himself, probably reaches. I mean, he is a network, uh, a complete powerhouse, and he actually probably reaches more people than CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News combined. 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 Yep. Right. And now think about what you just said. Now right? extrapolate well, the well, second, third insane. order. It's effect. actually further than that. But Nick that's was, Nick uh, Stelter came out was it last night or two nights ago. And he was like basically crying on air. He's like, it's like the people I talk to don't believe us what we're saying anymore. But that's but that's my point is that because of the new media Stelter's and I think the idiot. new media, we don't. I, I think the monetization <sighs> behind the new media, all of these platforms like I, I, I am the biggest I, I'm not really much of a user of uh, of social media. Um, I'm trying to get better, but uh, I am incredibly excited about social media because this was not possible 10 years ago. This is possible today. This is an entire business totally model agree. today. Totally agree and with so you. And the, so the, the, the kid yep. who doesn't have the right pedigree, who literally is just scrappy and yeah. a critical thinker yeah. and really good at resource allocation... Yeah. Um, we know that because he built a successful business, um, right? What politician is good at resource allocation? They yeah. actually are terrible at it. Another Elon Musk quote there, right? Yeah. Huh? Elon Musk said the yeah. same thing. Yeah, um, so when you, when you start looking at it through that lens, it's like, well, actually, it's the new media that I think mm -hmm. will save us. Let me tell you what excites us. me, based on what you're saying here. Here's what I will tell you. I love the fact that Spotify is based out of Sweden. Uh, you, you have no idea <laughs> yeah. how important Spotify is right now. Yeah, I, I will guarantee you a lot of people in in, uh, in. Oh dang! Look at that. Yeah, it's not even close. He's crushing everybody combined. Tucker's at three point two four. That's what he's averaged in Q three. His podcast eleven per million. Show. Yeah, per that's the eleven million show. average. That's not the fifty million. Peter from got alone. fifty million. Right. Peter got fifty million. <laughs> but but here here here's a um, here's a point about. Uh, what were we talking about right now? You were talking about the uh, networks, uh, networks size. social media. Yeah, Spotify. Spotify. So Spotify Sweet. is a thorn in all of these guys in uh, Silicon Valley. Right. They can't stand what Spotify is doing. Spotify is letting this stuff stay up. Yeah. You're kidding me. Spotify is now doing video. If Spotify gets commentary and thumbs up, thumbs down, and some data that's being shown publicly, a lot's going to change with Spotify. So, again, what this goes to that I trust, here's what I trust. I trust capitalism. Thank you. I trust mm -hmm. capitalism, man. That's what I love. And, and my concern for Silicon Valley was the day Alex Jones got ousted, a hundred apps took him down. That's very scary. That is very scary because everybody's on the same page. This is why a global corporate tax rate scares me. Mm -hmm. Because if all of a sudden America gets out of control, you can't go to Singapore. You can't go to all these other places. Now, thank God, Singapore doesn't want to be part of some of these organizations to have a global tax rate that everybody's agreeing on. You don't want that. So the good news is Spotify is competing. Other guys are coming out. Daniel Elk wants to win the audio voice game, and he's dominating everyone. You know who else he's got? He's got Michelle Obama. He's got Kardashians. Mm -hmm. He's going after all those big guys. And, and that's the exciting part. All the other stuff, d d does it concern me today that a Malone is kicked off and Biden and none of those guys have said anything about it? That's kind of concerning. Because what he's talking about, I want to know why you're so afraid of hiding this guy's content. What's mm -hmm. so scared about what he's saying that's hiding? Uh, 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 this is a guy that's vaccinated. This guy's a guy that, that, that took Moderna. This guy's a guy that said when I got COVID, I thought I was going to die. Like he said everything you want him to say. But God forbid a Fauci gets called out. 
scares the hell out of a lot of people. Call I'm going to go to two stories. Call it what it is, though. I'm going to go to two stories before we wrap up. Uh, uh, before we wrap up. One of them is the Michelle Obama story. The other one is the Democrats Now Fear School story with the last 10 minutes that we got. Michelle Obama, urgent message about this year's midterm elections. This is a CNN story. Former First Lady Michelle Obama has a message for Americans ahead of 2022 midterm elections. We've got to vote like the future of our democracy depends on it. We've heard this a million times. In a letter titled Fight for Our Vote, which was published Sunday as an ad in the New York Times, Obama called on, Amer- on Americans to continue emerging Engaging in democracy, amid a historic attack on voting rights, Obama's letter referenced the insurrection and the uh, the what is that? I wrote over it. And the, is it a slew view? of young voting oh, restrictions? Slew of voting restrictions passed on the state law across the country in its wake. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has vowed the chamber will vote on whether to change the Senate's legislative filibuster rules uh, by Martin Luther King Jr. January 17th. If Republicans block Democrats' latest effort to advance voting rights legislation. Do you think Michelle Obama is just kind of getting in there because behind closed doors there's any aspirations of 2024? They've been trying. They've been banging her for years. She's mm-hmm. she's the highest curated member in the entire Democratic Party by far. So they've been... Possibly mm-hmm. in the country. Possibly in the country, sure. Uh, so they, they've been they've been trying. Mm-hmm. She's not for some reason. Probably because life's pretty good for them right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if they have the same... Listen, when Obama ran the first time cakewalk as soon as he got past Hillary, McCain, as saying. soon as he got past Hillary oh, as soon as he got past Hillary it was a cakewalk anybody who ran against you know Bush was going to be you know yes. was going was going to win anybody who ran against Bush's this last year exactly win. you probably mean McCain no no no, no he Bush, means he, Bush's he, legacy he beat, he oh, beat McCain it, but it. he ran against Bush right so in the middle of the Great Recession I mean, sure he had it, 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 cakewalk stack text against him right yeah and then Romney for reasons unbeknownst to anyone took the gloves off and stopped campaigning with two weeks to go and a, and a five point lead when Obama was was doing horrible things and, and in basically the second just debate ran, he basically after running against right after Bush Sandy. after running against Bush I, I was there when, yeah. when Christie gave him yeah. a hug your boy Christie yeah, yeah so listen. There's a reason Michelle hasn't ran yet. I think that she likes being the kingmaker. I think she likes having her Netflix gigs. I think she likes being a socialite. There's there's a lot that goes into running where I don't think they want to have things exposed. They don't want to have to answer hard questions. And a lot of their, this is the other side of it, a lot of their playbook has been run into the ground. There's only so much more division. There's only so much more divide and conquer you can do. So, you know, the rules for radicals thing's kind of played out now. It's 20, we're we're going on 20 years, right? Of of rules for radicals here. It's it, they, there's at some point they've they've kind of divided everybody that was going to divide. They found everybody that was going to vote along the lines of immutable characteristics and it is what it is. Right? As a matter of fact, there's a lot of statistics showing that the the identity politics and the Latinx stuff is actually turning off the Latin voter. It's turning them off. That is correct. So, you know, they, that Everything has its time, right? So is Michelle Obama going to run? I don't think so. It's a long answer to say I don't think so, but I do think that she wants to have the power to decide who runs, which is what I think what she really wants. I think that she wants someone like Stacey Abrams. And when they keep, and we got to stop letting these people frame this issue the way that they, it's a voter rights issue. No, it, it's a freaking show, prove who you are. I, it draws me out of my mind, the hypocrisy. And, and Adam, it's Democrats. Democrat hypocrisy drives me out of my mind because they don't care about hypocrisy. The fact that I have to show a vaccine card to get a sandwich in New York City is somehow fine. 
But asking someone to show ID to prove who they are to vote on who runs the country is somehow racist? It's insanity. It's pure insanity. This has nothing to do with voter rights. This is their ability to harvest votes. This is their ability to have the, the dead vote. This is their ability to know exactly how, like what happened in New Jersey. You know, you go to bed and, and Ciccarelli is winning by 3% in Bergen and you wake up, oh, we found 3 million mail-in votes in Bergen County. Oh, well, you know. Sorry, guess Murphy's going to be the governor for the next four years. Which it's legal. surprising to the two million people that actually live in. Yeah, Bergen you know, it's just insane. <laughs> it's pure insanity, man. So listen, I mean, and then they they just change history all the time. This goes back to the you know with the with the you know they take down the videos. It's Fahrenheit four fifty one. They're burning the books. They're lying. There's hypocrisy, but they don't care because at the end of the day, it's all about moving their narrative forward. They don't care about lying. They don't because again, they're not beholden to me and you. They're beholden to international community. They care what Putin thinks, Xi thinks, Justin Trudeau thinks. They don't care what me and you think because, honestly, it doesn't matter to them. Well, the one thing I agree with Michelle Obama or Michael is that there is a historic attack on voting rights going on. The citizens' vote is being minimized. Mm -hmm. the, the way you did that was very slick. slick but well, let me say something to you, G. Yeah, I, well, I actually well, agree with a lot of what you had to say, especially with like the Latinx stuff and, and, and all that. I will say that I've never been one that has even thought that Michelle Obama was going to run. Even when we talked about it uh, in the last primary season, which was uh, 2019, 2020, and it was still Bernie was still in it, and, you know, Klobuchar was still in it, yeah. and Pete, Pete Buttigieg, and, and, you know, Bloomberg showed up, and people started throwing around buzzwords, Michelle sure. Obama, Michelle Obama. I was always like, why would she do it? Why would she do it? Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't see it. You said the Q score. She is the number one in the country. The Hollywood elite Hear me out. love her. The love country her. loves her. Women love her. The country will love her. Okay. You said the highest Q score. Yeah, yeah. But you the, can pull that up. Pull up. In I mean, the Democratic Party, she's, she's equally pull up as adverse. the highest Q score in the country. It's not, I'm not even giving you my opinion. Just pull it up. Sure. But the point is this. I think that the, the Democrats are going to get squashed in the midterms, and I think someone's going to say in her ear, Biden ain't going to run anymore. Like, I think Trump is going to run. And what a, what a choice between Michelle Obama... And Donald Trump. Yeah. And I feel like for the first time, this is where I'm actually giving credence to her possibly running. I we'll don't see. think so. I really don't. Okay. I think, we'll, I think we'll Trump see. would be the worst case scenario because she couldn't bully him. They, they, she, she's a bully. Well, he couldn't bully her? She's a bully politician. She wants to run as a victim. But it's impossible to see them as victims anymore. I don't think she wants to run as a oh, victim. How could she play the victim when she's the first Non-stop victim one. politics. Non-stop victim politics. Pull up the Q score. But the point is this. Regardless, I, for the first time, actually think that she would consider running. By, by the way, forget about whether you, you like her, you don't like her, et cetera, et cetera. I think she's the best candidate they got. I think she's the best candidate. Give me a better person than Michelle Obama to run. Not, I can't. No. That's my point. Forget about whether she's the Democratic Party. Yeah, rounds. give me one better. Joe Manchin. Joe, for them, not for them. Well, for the, you. That's on them. The Democrats no, no, wouldn't no, get behind no. Joe Manchin. Absolutely they would. They would not get behind Joe Do you know how many Manchin. Democrats hate Joe Manchin? You saw the Charlemagne the God interview with Kamala Harris? They would not I, get I, behind I don't think Joe that I, I don't think that that is the... I think that's the loudest voice in the room of the Democrats. I don't think that's the prevailing Democrat. Look, yeah, okay. it ain't so, Joe so, Manchin, bro. So anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, so Joe Manchin is a candidate. Fine. The Rock. The Rock is better than Michelle. <laughs> I'm saying yes. But you're saying The Rock is more uh, capable yes. of winning than Michelle. No, no, no. Michelle's the best candidate they've okay. got, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. That's I'm the just best saying candidate. The Rock's pretty dope. Anybody else? Give me another one. Give me no another one. No current politicians. Zero current politicians. <laughs> Give me another one. 
in the Democratic Party. No, if, if someone like Tom party. Hanks was showing I, up, I, I, this, current, in, this current incarnation of Democrat Party is so unlikable. I, the, I just, the question is who else? That's Pat's question. And the question is, if if Biden is primaried, it's going to come from the far left. But none of those have national electability after the smoke clears. You have Michelle Obama with national electability. You've got Joe Manchin, who's kind of on the other side of the lightning rod, where the, the far lefts are going to completely throw up all over that. Mm-hmm. So the, really, the question is, who else? If, if he's going to be primaried and it's going to be a credible national candidate, right now, Michelle Obama is the only, only name on So let list. me go to the next story. This is a Blaze story. Democrats that now was your fear, point, Pat, right? Yeah. Democrats now fear school closings will hurt them politically. Chicago public school, schools have been closed since Wednesday because 73% of Chicago's teachers union voted on Tuesday against returning to classroom and only teaching remotely. Democrats are fretting, fretting that another school year interrupted by, foreclo- by closures, distance learning, and uncertainty could hurt them in the future elections because they have close ties to the unions. Democrats are concerned that additional closures like those in Chicago could lead to a possible replay of the party's recent loss in Virginia's governor race. This is a New York Times story reported. Polling shows that school disruptions were an important issue for swing voters who broke Republican, particularly suburban mm-hmm. white women. Boom. Mm-hmm. There's, Do you there's see that happen issue. in the midterms? So you look so at, it's look not at a Virginia. Issue. It's Rasmussen, not Fauci, is going to determine the election, and that's <laughs> what we're worried about now. After, after Virginia, my, my wife saw this, uh, this meme on social media, and it said, the wine, mo- the wine mom giveth and the wine mom taketh away. <laughs> right? I love that. That's and, phenomenal. And at the end of the day, Kim, um, are you, listening? You, you, start, <laughs> it, it, you start messing with Mama Bear's kids. Right. And you start adding stress to her husband because now they're trying to figure out how to deal with child care. And, and when both like my wife works, um, I work. Mm-hmm, right. I mean, mm-hmm. you, now we're lucky enough that our kids are toddlers during this crazy time. Um, but if, if our kids were in school, lots of my friends, lots of my lots of my employees, this has caused a massive disruption in their household, which adds stress to the household. You start adding stress to Mama Bear's household, and she's going to come out swinging. And and really, the only independent voters, I'm not changing your mind. You're no. not changing my mind. But you know what? My wife can kind of look at some of the more, like, more social issues and things like that mm-hmm. where I tend, to, I tend to vote on economics. Um, and I think that I think that story plays out around the country, and so that's where I think you're gonna you're gonna see the you start messing with the schools, yeah. you're messing with Mama Bear, and she thinks that her kids aren't getting the education that they need, and she's gonna come out fighting because she won't fight for herself all that well, mm-hmm. but she will die on a hill for. And her we kids. have a clear case example what happened in Virginia with Gene Youngkin and uh, Terry yeah. McAuliffe, well, and, take- and it's a critical race theory. Like I don't think that's even a major issue, but the. Made also, a major issue. I'll tell you how right you are. I mean, we, we sat down, we had an interview with Rudy Giuliani, which you guys can see at Mafia States of America, but he made a very interesting point where you can, you can reduce the murder rates 20%, 30%, and nobody believes you because nobody ever sees a murder. They think you're juicing it. Yeah. But if you get rid of the, the squeegee guys and you get rid of the graffiti, the quality of life crimes, mm. everybody sees things improving. So it's politics of burden. Now... Because of their politics, it's a burden on my household. Mm. Now I'm pissed off. They made it a burden on me. Mm-hmm. It's very now they brought their politics to my doorstep, and I'm resentful about that. That's a very good point. The other thing is deeper, and I've heard people talk about this. I, 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 I'll tell you guys off air. They're, they they need the schools to reopen because that's where they know they control the narrative. When the kids are at home and they're on the video games, and you see Kyrie Irving 
is playing basketball because all of the vaccinated guys are <laughs> sick with COVID, so they have to bring Kyrie, the unvaccinated yeah. guy, back to play. Yeah. Well, there's not a teacher to sit there and explain that away in the classroom to these 30 kids and manipulate and, and brainwash them. Now they're sitting online playing Call of Duty with each other going like, oh, the government, these guys are assholes. Like, you know, so they need the kids in school because they need to control how they're – they need to influence them essentially. And the less that they're in by, school, by the, way, the less influence by, they have. By the way, what you just said, what you just said is pretty wild. And does that mean the conservatives are kind of a playing a proxy saying, hey, then slow your roll with these kids going back to school? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Oh, is shit. It, is I it, didn't it, think that, yeah. but now that is you're it, saying it, it's like, whoa! <laughs> Take Playing the long game. That's the theme of today's podcast. Long game short I game. think you're giving the GOP way too, too much, much credit for any sort of foresight or ability to oh seize on a moment. Oh no, no, my you God. know something it's, it's really interesting is that this comes full circle over a 10-year horizon with Pat and I. Pat and I were um, in a, a very wealthy California town down the street from Pepperdine University and heard Ed Gillespie and Terry McAuliffe. What a debate. Gave a debate yeah. to about seven people with Pat and I in the back saying, how did we get in here um, at the time? <laughs> but it was very, very cool. And I thought Terry McAuliffe was very opinionated and too close to the too close to the third rail right then. So it doesn't surprise me that he b basically says offhand, and it wasn't a flub, it wasn't a gaffe, it's what he believed. It was, I'm your nanny. That's what he said, and that's what he believes. And oh no, I really didn't believe that. He lost on what he believed in, and Mama Bear came to the polls and showed him what real power from the 12% in the middle, where all elections are fought now, yep, yep. it's only the 12 in the middle, five for green, 40 over here, 40 over here, that's locked. It's the 12 in the middle. And he just discovered what the independent, the power of the independent voter really well, looks like. Nick, so, let it, Nick let it slip in, in the podcast a few weeks back, man, when he said that, no, I believe in a global federation. And we're like, you just advocated for a new world no, order. No, not like, Nick. Yeah, yeah, Nick's no, no, right no, here, yeah, sorry, bro. Relax. Uh, Matt Zeller, my bad. I mean, sorry. Look, CIA guy. guy. My guy's Look, here CIA. just dominating and you're just going to throw him under the bus <laughs> the last second. But Matt Zeller, dude, 100%, he was like, yeah, we're, we should. We, we should get away from the nation state and we should have a global federation. And this was a former agency guy? Who yeah. ran for who ran for yeah, Congress he, he as a I, Democrat? He, he and he and I can have a parking lot conversation about but, that. By, by the way, you know what you know what would be no. interesting. Here's what would be interesting. Uh, he he's a fighter. He he he's oh, a feisty guy. Li li loves him some Tulsi Gabbard. Boy. Yeah, he's a he's mm. a wow, spit in her face. He said he'd spit but, in her face. But 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 with, with COVID. But with <laughs> with that, I'm talking to Jack Barsky about bringing Jack Barsky in on the podcast. Jack Barsky mm -hmm. is a former oh, KGB yeah, guy. I know him. And if we bring him on board, it'd be kind of interesting to bring the CIA because what he says is very weird, and I'd like to see somebody mm. from the CIA hold him accountable. Something maybe, tells me we're going to have maybe. debates like this on this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Maybe, Something tells maybe, me. Maybe, maybe. He says there's no such thing as an ex-KGB spy. So. Putin said that. But Jack and I yes. can come together on the human trafficking issue and be like, hey, we don't agree on a lot. But we will freaking we will go to war against this issue. Cool, so, so so you'd want to do a podcast with Jack and you on it? Uh, uh, you talk. Okay, I've had conversation with All Jack. Right. So so maybe we'll coordinate that. Okay. Anyways, having said that, first podcast in a, in a bank vault. This is officially in the books, yeah. and it actually worked. It I, thought, well. I thought internet was going to give us issues. I thought audio was going to give us issues. We had no issues. David and George in the back. I don't know if George is back there. I know David is back there. Here we uh, are. Uh, we pulled off the first one. Episode 114 is in the books. We're going to do Thursday as well. And Thursday, we have a special guest, by the way. Special guest that's coming. Former, mm. uh, former 
uh, co-host of The View is who's going to be here Thursday. We've been going back and forth. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. No, Jedediah Bila will oh, be okay, here cool. on Thursday on the podcast. So tune in. We will be together here Thursday nice. on the podcast, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Take care, everybody. Nick, thanks for coming out. Absolutely. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye.